the entrepreneurial spirit is resilient, and U.S. Bank is here to make sure that no matter what unknown pops up, business owners know that we have their back. Because problem solvers are the ones that keep us all moving forward by finding ways to close gaps, even when distances are being kept everywhere. So whatever you need to adapt and evolve your business, U.S. Bank is here to support you. U.S. Bank. We'll get there together. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. Are you ready to meet the moment? Ozzy and our friends at Chevrolet are proud to present Real Talk, Real Change to help foster racial equality in America. And we're inviting you to help. Join me, Carlos Watson, as I talk with key leaders from across the country about racial disparities in America's healthcare system. Look for The Carlos Watson Show and Real Talk, Real Change on YouTube and subscribe. Or download The Carlos Watson Show wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Beto. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. Nice one, Gareth. Got it this time, did you? Yeah, sorted it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's easy when there's three. It's a bit too much maths <laughs> if my head when there's four. <laughs> yeah, Especially when it. you're being polite as well. Well, we had to kick Steph <laughs> off the show, to be fair, didn't we? After last week, after the uh, the controversy she got us into with all that, uh, all that twink chatter and the like. Um, it's a like, shame. But, you know. Yeah, that's it. Not that we ever go there willingly. Um, it's never <laughs> happened before, has it, JP? No, it hasn't. And, you know, I learned a lot. That's the thing. That was my big takeaway from last week. I didn't knew nothing of otters. Mm. I just thought of them as uh, mammals that basically knocked about by kind of rivers and brooks. <laughs> nope. Got that wrong. I feel like a um, lot of people learn things. That was the main comment of yeah. all of the feedback we got from doing that live show last week with people going, oh, look, I know a little bit more now. So, you know, educational um, is the way to put it. it. It feels like I should have Wikipedia up with just a whole series of various sex acts that we'll mm. somehow refer to and mm. and terminology that none of us are clued up in. Just so we learn a fact each week mm. um, to kind of try and chuck into the conversation. Um, yeah, I also, I mean, I don't know if I've ever rated a G1 final as to how it ranks in sex terms. I mean, I thought sometimes I know on post with the coffee and the milk and the sugar, I get slightly confused with that. I mean, ball gagging mouth, Leading to disappointing sex, three stars. Like, <laughs> so I don't know if you can fit that in, Gareth. I was going to say, is, is this is it? This is definitely a change from like, can you add a add a zero stars? Can can we add the ball gag in the mouth rating, please? Like, <laughs> it's definitely yeah, exactly. taking things to new levels. <laughs> what would five stars be? <laughs> Very much in the eye of the beholder when you think of it on a deeper <laughs> level, isn't it? No suggestions, though. You know, some some people are quite meat and potatoes when it comes to this stuff, and some people are pretty much off the reservation. I'm not going into specifics, but we all know those people. Look, I, I blame. I'm not saying uh, he's one of them people, but I blame Will Cooling. He's the one who uh, he started the conversation that got us dragged into the gutter last week and uh, almost got us cancelled. Almost got himself cancelled on Twitter today, which is a thing we will uh, <laughs> we will talk about too. Uh, but yeah, like I say, said Steph's not with us this week. She'll be back with us for uh, for the people who are desperate for it to be back on after last week she'll be on doing the uh the full gear review with us and uh apparently power struggles the same day uh in a couple of weeks so uh you can look forward to that too but yeah you kind of uh you stuck with us lot for now 
lads, it's uh, we're past G1 season. JP, we're going to do that roundtable later in the week and, uh, and close things up. But I don't know how you've been feeling. Do you feel like a free man now, not having to, uh, to get up in the morning and watch G1 or scram it in after work? Like, I honestly didn't know what to do with myself this weekend. It was like... Friday, Friday, Saturday night, the idea that there wasn't a show to get up to watch in the morning just was like, shit, what do I do with my day now? Um, I'll be honest, it was a struggle getting through it with those B blocks, but yeah, I actually struggled to fill, fill the time this week. I'm sure you didn't though, JP. I didn't at all. Um, I managed to kind of fit in a, a, a fuck ton of sport, basically. Sport was on in a big way this weekend. Uh, a lot of like from a fantasy league perspective, and I think none of us want to really elaborate on the point too much. It was a bad week for most of us, unless you had Patrick Bamford up front. But it was just a series of like, oh, for fuck's sakes. And then just sort of wrapped up by a shocking Arsenal performance where I sat there and went, they bring on Vardy half an hour ago. He mm. scores, complete smash and grab. Seen this script many a time. Saw that, cut off the live stream because it was on pay-per-view and there's no way in fuck am I buying any of them. Um and I wouldn't have done even on even if I've had lots of money because I'm that kind of person. Um, but uh, yeah, body. The, there was that. There was the Six Nations snuck mm. in Borat too, um, or Borat's subsequent movie film. I thought it was Thoughts? good. Yeah, I liked it. I gave it three and a half on a uh, knock grapple on Letterboxd. Uh, three and a half stars, which is a, a fair rating, I think. Uh, yeah, it, I think the. You know, the, the format of like, oh, we're traveling around the country and we're doing all these sit-down interviews and the like has kind of like been been done to death. But I don't know, the twist on it, doing the the Rudy Giuliani stuff and the stuff with his daughter. It felt like a very like, you wouldn't think it watching it. You would think the joke is that it's like lol women, but it's actually like, I feel like, I think because um, Sasha Baron Cohen's got a daughter himself, it's very much like the whole point of the movie is like, look at the way like, we see women in society type of thing. I feel like it made like a, a broader point than uh, than just that Lolly's wearing a fucking a mankini or whatever stuff, which he got some of as well. Uh, but mm. I actually thought it was uh, it was quite good. I had plenty of laughs watching it. I don't know. Did it, did it like when I was saw that it was coming out? I was thinking that oh, aren't people too like aware of Borat these days? I, like I haven't watched it yet, kind of thing. Did mm. did, yeah. it, did it hold up from that point of view? Yeah, that, that was cynical. It completely acknowledges it. Yeah. I was say, so there's yeah. a bit where he goes out on the streets and people are chasing after him going Borat. So then it's the reason why he has to wear all the disguises. Mm. Um, and you mentioned about, I think it's called Maria uh, Bakalova. Like she is fucking fearless. Mm. Like if you think he's fearless, like I'll just say the debutants ball, um, as I watched that with my, with my sons and who'd seen it the day before, it's the kind of thing that they completely can get on board with. <laughs> mm. There's so much like, yeah, there's, the thing about it that I find fascinating is, and I don't want to spoil it, but they've had to make some enormous changes to the whole thing because mm. of COVID. Mm. And to do it and to somehow get away with it, um, it's really interesting. Like, I was completely, like, I was, I was, because I had low expectations. I thought, well, there's n- it's not going to be the same as the first film. A lot of it is going to be the same kind of setup stuff. Um, it, it, it's it's Sasha Baron Cohen doing that. But you mentioned the stuff about his daughter as well. He's very, very politically motivated. There's another thing on Netflix where he plays like the famous uh, campaigner, Abby Hoffman, mm. um, at the moment as well. He's always brought up like he has a lot more sort of, he has a lot of, um, I wouldn't say like kind of arguments with social media companies mm. about like the rise of hate speech on social media, particularly Facebook and, and anti-Semitism as well. 
which obviously then you consider that he kind of parodies like a lot of that. Although the family of one of the Holocaust survivors that he speaks to in it is like, um, I think their family is suing him at the minute. My son was telling me. Hmm. So yeah, that alone, you haven't seen it, Gareth, have you? No, no. Well, you mentioned it there. I watched that trial of the Chicago seven at the weekend that is in there on Netflix. And that was, that was good. I enjoyed that. Like it was fucking, I don't know if you've seen that at all or not, but it's like definitely worth a watch, but it was not yet. just, just another one. It, it feels like every film I seem to watch these days on Netflix and stuff. It's about some like wrongdoing of the legal system or something like that in the, you know, the sixties or seventies going back in time. And every time I'm watching it, I'm just like, yeah, this is exactly what's fucking going on with us right now, you know, with America and Trump and us and Boris and everything like that. So it's mm. just this whole like kind of thing that just has me thinking like, yeah, we present these nice little films about, oh, look how corrupt everything was in those days. And they try to pull the wool over everyone's eyes and control everything. And I'm like, yeah, open your fucking eyes. Like, <laughs> come on, it's going, it's going on right in front of us right now. But uh, let's yeah. not get too conspiracy theorists. Let's wait for 10 years time for Netflix to do that for us. Yeah, you can do it. They can do a whole thing about how we just apparently in England we just don't want to feed hungry children. Apparently, uh, turns mm. out Marcus Rashford is actually wrong, um, and all the poor children in the country should just starve. So, yeah, that could be. He's a, a millionaire footballer. Can he not stay out of this, please? <laughs> honestly, I, I, honestly, right? I read. I, I'm not even joking. Like I read his timeline a couple of times this weekend. If people haven't seen it, like Rashford, like I'm sure people know the story with him trying to uh, get free school meals for kids during the school holidays, but like. Like, honestly brought a tear to bear at one point, like, the amount he's doing. Like, considering, like, all Boris and all those cunts are just literally, like, like yeah, whatever. You know, I saw that meme going around where it was, like, uh, Margaret Thatcher, uh, starving miners. Uh, Boris Johnson, starving miners. Uh, and they agree. You know, it's like, that is literally, like, the the the, 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 the motto of uh, the, the Tory party. Um, and then you've got, like, this young footballer trying to put things right. Like, genuinely, like... I don't know. Improve my 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 outlook on humanity. I feel like this weekend, all the work that uh, that young lad's doing. And I, and I think as well with that as well, like I, I definitely be the most cynical about this with him being a Man United player as well. But uh, like it definitely, it's not a PR PR exercise, is it? You know, it's not just like you know you see a lot of footballers things that happen like over the years doing little things and like give, you know trying to and, and it's all just to cover up the fact that they've done some fucking shady incident or something like that that's going to come out in the news of the world on the Sunday or something. But with him, like it genuinely is just you know it just comes across as just been like absolutely you know I just want to do a bit of good in society and like fucking fair play to the lad because he's uh, there's think how many players over the years with the platform that they've had and the money that they've had who could have had equally e- an equal level of impact and yeah don't mm. even fucking think twice about it or come near to it so yeah like go on marcus lad yeah <laughs> I, I would say we've been plighted in this country by uh, a, an astonishing amount of thick footballers mm. like really thick lads let's be brutally honest like a fucking gcse amongst them and all it is is golf phil collins and brexit yeah that's kind of like that's their worldviews kind of summarized <laughs> in that well, that's the and title. yeah it's, it's like they're they're the kind of people people that they are whereas on this issue it's very much like marcus rashford um came from a family where he needed like school meals, extra mm. like subsidized school meals while he was at school, mm. recognizes that, is in a position of earning lots and lots of money, and he's decided this is where I'm going to spend spend my time doing this. Mm. And I think that this government, because they are an sh- absolute shower of shit, absolute fucking disgrace of a government at this point. Like 
there are times where I do wonder if they're kind of genuinely evil, um, really at this point. Mm. Like, I mean, and, uh, you know, we can cast aspersions about loads of things about them, but like, are your taxes, are low tax, low tax rates really that fucking important when it mm. comes to like voting this lot out? Just remember that next fucking time. All mm. right. Anyway. I digress. I'll save a US politics one for next week. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be get up and vote. You don't always get what you want. I'm sorry he's not perfect. Are you going to vote for Trump then? Because <laughs> that, that's like my attitude when I hear stuff about, well, I'm not voting for Labour because of Keir Starmer. And you just think, really? Are you going to vote for Boris Johnson next time? Mm. Are you going to vote for the Tories? Mm. Yep. He's, he's not perfect. Get over it. None of us are. Anyway, back to Marcus Rashford, who is kind of perfect. Should be I would say Marcus that. Rashford for but Prime Minister. That's my view. All he's interested in is making sure that there are subsidised school meal, uh, subsidised meals for children who need it the most, knowing full well that all the studies link it back to improved academic growth and fer- like you know just sort of laying a much better platform. Mm. But no, they're holding firm on this tonight, and it's just a battle which he will win because they threw an MBE his way and he couldn't give a shit mm. like. Really, what does that mean in the scheme of things? Mm. It's not like the NBE is some exclusive, I don't know, if the, if the planet's being destroyed in fucking sort of apocalyptic fashion, the NBE gets you on the spaceship to get you out of it. No, just a three letters after your name. Mm. Um, and I just think like he's an absolute class act. And he follows on from a lot of stuff that LeBron James does in the States as well, which is often sort of under-recognized, particularly in terms of education, but also doing things to combat voter suppression in the States as well. Colin Kaepernick, and all of them get dogs abuse. And I can't think what all three of these sportsmen at times have in common. I don't know. Mm. And Raheem Sterling, who also seems to be, uh, yep. who is setting up a series of cha- charities as well. He gets abuse. Mm. Mean, don't mean, worry. Same mean, Harry Kane lives in fuss- fucking Essex, so he's fine. Yeah, and, and, and fucking Harry Maguire. Oh, he's just England's hero, Lionheart Harry Maguire. He was just caught <laughs> some... Uh, well, yeah, he was on holiday. What's the problem? <laughs> No, I, th- I think the most embarrassing was like this week because, like the like from my, where I'm from, like back home, like Workington, like a big thing of the election last time was like Workington Man, and it was a big thing about how the Tories were like trying to, you know, they were trying to get that working class area of the north and try and switch them to Labour for the Tories with a lot of the fucking, um, you know, I don't know, spin around that about like people. You know, these people coming from other countries, taking our jobs and all that kind of thing that like so many people bought into. And for the first time in my lifetime, work it and switch from being like Labour to the Tories. And it like it clearly, you know, it clearly worked. And like the work at an MP, Mark Jenkinson, cunt on um, <laughs> on, on um, Facebook. Do week. they do that when they announce the election results? Oh, oh, the Jenkinson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, but he, he's, he's like there on Facebook all weekend and he's saying the reason he voted against uh, Marcus Rasford's um, thing there is because because everyone would just be like trading in the food for drugs anyway. So uh, that's that was that was that was his reason uh, for for going against it, and you're just like fucking hell. These are the people. These are the people in power. And like I don't know, you've got these people trying to make positive change, and then you've got fucking moron cunts like this prick, like coming out with things like this. And I don't know, what can you do? Yeah, vote bad. them out next time. That's what we all do. Yeah, hopefully, vote, vote them out. Don't don't sweat the fucking small shit. Leave that to the side. Mm. What? Let's have those policy battles when we're in fucking power. All right. Get in a power first. Yeah. Sorry. 
No, I don't, I don't think... And, I don't, and if you're in the States, get up and vote. You're doing, like, seriously. Don't fuck about. It's apocalyptic shit. And Joe Biden can stop a no-deal Brexit because they're breaking a Good Friday agreement. Hold that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I can't see, lads, that, like, after, like, the years of this, have we got any Tory or Republican listeners left? Other than Will, obviously. I don't think we've got anyone who's uh, <laughs> of that persuasion anymore. Not even including Will. Sorry, Will. Um, we've, just, we've just lost Mark Jenkinson, anyway. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> big grapple fan um, but it's like it's, it is encouraging to see like people rally around rally around the likes of marcus rashford and like even like this weekend with you know liverpool being on pay-per-view and that you know the, the fan groups of both liverpool everton and other clubs like just saying basically you know rather than give 15 quid to sky for one fucking game how about you just illegally stream it and you give 15 pound to like a charity i did that i sent some money up like i felt it felt it felt uh i don't know uh encouraged by uh by marcus rashford he's uh i think he's making everybody kind of think oh yeah i could probably pay it forward a little bit more and like you know get involved in uh and things like that you know see a homeless man on the street buy him a cup of tea you know that type of thing pay it all forward uh take some influence from uh from our marcus rashford but yeah i did i did that on saturday like my my saturday was like a a full saturday of illegally streaming events to the point where it felt like it was 2010 again um it's not something like these days like i'm i'm older now so i feel like i'm of that mind of like listen if i can pay a tenner i'll just pay a tenner and get like a get like a decent like view of whatever i want to watch but like this saturday felt like it was like it was like illegal reddit streaming was back because it was like that liverpool game was on pay-per-view ufc was what 25 quid on bt which I can I can live with paying for like a one-off big fight, but I'm not that into UFC, so I was like, ah, I think I'd rather like just send some money over to charity instead. But unfortunately, the problem is when you do that and you try and watch uh, things on illegal streams, you remember why you don't because you end up like having about if if you're anything like me, having about 27 tabs open, everything's freezing, and you kind of think, fuck, I should have just paid for this. But help him. Didn't give any money to the uh, to the Premier League or uh, that Trump fundraiser that is the uh, the UFC and uh, and watched it all for free like a like a true rebel. Although when I watched Impact was on Saturday night as well. When I watched that, I did watch that via our friends at Fight. So you know, uh, not gonna pay for that either. But you know, that's, full disclosure, <laughs> full disclosure. Yeah, <laughs> gravelgareth at gmail. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I found the route. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, do you guys watch any of that JP? I know you're bigger into the uh, the UFC than me. Uh, I watched it because oh, it was yeah. a big fight. That was about it. I I, I would say that the um, uh, the semi main before it was really good as well. Mm. With who was it? Cannoneer versus Robert Whitaker. That mm. was also a really good fight. Yeah, I watched it, and like you, I didn't pay for it. And uh, I'm I'm very old hat of finding good streams. So what I will say on the pay per view Premier League stuff. That super sports coverage, bring it on. <laughs> All good with it. I haven't seen South African adverts. I was watching Malaysian adverts as well. Um, so I was like, it was it was a nice feeling uh, of all of that. Um, very much sort of two fingers, like you say, to, to Dana White and the Premier League. So it was like sort of, from a moral perspective, I felt like no, nothing bad at all. Mm-hmm. In terms of the fights themselves, like I can get why people wouldn't pay for this one because... Gaith G's, if you follow UFC, he's great. His box office is a really good, exciting fighter, but you have to be watching UFC in order to get that, whereas McGregor Khabib kind of has something to itself. But um, it was, it, like, as a main of, like as a main event, I, I, I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't see Khabib staying retired necess- for too long. Mm. I think at some point he'll come out. It's, it seems to be, 
like because he's so far ahead of everyone else as well. Like he just like as soon as he took like there was just a point where we went right fuck this get him properly down, just take him down, and then that was it. Once he gets you down on the mat, you're fucked. You can't do anything about it. He'll be back in a couple of years. He's not going to do like a McGregor where he's away for a couple of years and he's away acting the cunt somewhere else over in Dublin at the minute. But yeah, he was McGregor's shocking. McGregor's promoting himself, isn't he? He's doing his own promotion kind of thing. And as soon as I saw that from like um, Habib, I just thought, yeah, he's taking on McGregor again. They're going to put on that grudge match and they're both going to get fucking 50% of the pie and Dana White's going to get nothing of the pie. And like, like as much as I fucking hate Conor McGregor, fair play to the lads. Get gr- Grab the fucking money while you can. Do you, do you think they would have seriously like kind of spoken after the fight they had saying, seriously, we can do absolutely monster business with us two, like it was with Mayweather McGregor? You know, they're everything's just thinking, aware. Like, that's us being wrestlers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they've always wanted to cut out the middleman promoter. I think that's the issue that a lot of fighters have always had because it's mm. just like, why is this person getting all of this money? Mm. And they fancy themselves as promoters. Definitely. And working with ex fighters or promoters. That's why Della Hoya is still around, certainly in boxing. Mm. It, was, it was McGregor's promoting a fight, isn't he? It is like taking on, is he taking on Joe Lozon or something like that? And it's like Conor McGregor promotions or something like that. So it's mm. like, there you go, line him up, get his first fight in. And then it's suddenly, Habib's had a year off. Let's get them two in the ring when there's a crowd. Oh, sorry, get them in a cage when there's a crowd. Get it on pay per view. People are going to be fucking dying to pay for it. And those two are just going to be laughing all the way to the bank as they like shake hands backstage and <laughs> chuckle away into their respective uh, dressing rooms kind of thing as people believe they've got this huge beef between them. It's all about the money. Fake retirement in there as well. It's so wrestling. Hmm. Oh, oh, it was the, the first fight was like, like they'd watched UWF backstage and gone, right, how do we replicate this? It's like, <laughs> okay, Khabib, you're gonna, just going to do a diving foot stomp off it. We're just going to have a wild brawl in there. You just needed Bill Watts to say, oh, my God, see you next week, and then just cut, cut away at that point. Mm. They've got, like, there's, there's so much that they can draw on here. But Well, there was, the, there was the whole thing with the coach. There was the whole thing with the coach, wasn't there, where there was, like, yeah. smashing windows and all that. I was thinking, that's just Braun Strowman tipping cars over and things like that, really, isn't it? It's all, <laughs> it's all wrestling. It's, uh, it's all a work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Countdown UFC cameras were there. It was all a setup. We know what the hell's going on. <laughs> um, while we're on like the real sports point like from the footy this weekend sorry to bring it up Gareth I know it's a, a sort of subject but yeah I noticed in the uh, I've just had a little look at the, the uh, good website livefpl.net with uh, up to date uh, fancy football standings uh, while we wait for the leagues to update on the proper site today JP you're fifth in the grapple league you're uh, you know you're, you're coming to do what you couldn't do in the voices of wrestling uh, G1 pickings you Rob Reed's dropped down to third uh, so you're not far from him Chris Ferder is, uh, is top of the league right now JP, you're in the mix. Uh, less, less said about me and Gareth, though, the better. I, I, I had an awful week. I had, what, 20 points on the bench, three defenders who all kept clean sheets, all, like, didn't play any of them, including, like, the keeper. Um, if only for Harry Kane and Son. Mm. And it puts me in They've this awful position of being glad that they scored and just thinking, Burnley, please equalise. All I want is four all draws involving Spurs for a season. Like <laughs> I'd be kind of happy with that from a fantasy league perspective, but it leaves a very sad taste in my mouth because I couldn't wear a Spurs shirt. Much in the same way, Benner, that I imagine you couldn't wear a Liverpool shirt, and that Gareth couldn't wear an Everton shirt. It's just I've worn one. Really? <laughs> oh, I had to when I was um, 
we when I worked at Everton, we uh, we did a charity thing where we had to run to the top of the Liver Building, and oh. we all had to like there's all like the steps to the top of the Liver Building, and it's like a big race, and all teams do it, and we entered an Everton team. And, and like they made us wear kits to do it, and then like when we got down to like the bottom at the end of it, um, Robert Elstone, who was the chief exec, like he knew I was a Suntan Liverpool Bob. fan, and and it was like, it was like, here you go, Gareth, uh, let, let's get a photo of you for the Echo in front of the Liver Building, like because they had the kit on, and I was just like, fuck you, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, have you got this yeah. copy of the Liverpool Echo? I don't, I don't, I don't go know. through the archives. Need to find this, Jeffrey. I, I, I don't think so. I don't know. You won't see me in a wolf outfit either doing prostrate examinations either, as uh, some people asked me about this week. We tried. We couldn't find it. Uh, no, fuck, you... fuck that tier three, eh, Gareth? <laughs> no, you can't get away with that up here, JP. Like, I, I once played five-a-side with my mates and I was wearing my Everton shirt and I had a pair of red shorts on with it and one of my mates was literally fuming with me. Like, he's one of the more hardcore Evertonians and I was like, you can't wear red with that shite. You know what I mean? It's like, so you can't wear that red shite with that shirt. It was like, okay, fair enough, learn my lesson. That's how deep it goes, JP. Oh, it's sick. I mean, I remember once, I mean, I went to Arsenal away um, in 95 and I lived in Tottenham at the time, but I had a white Umbro jumper. It wasn't good. But I tell you what it did. Was Umbro ever good? Walk. Was Umbro ever in? Nah. Ever? But but Spurs were, were had their kit manufacturer at the time was Umbro. Yeah, um, so was yeah they, were, they were never good, were they? If you see like an Umbro football boot, you're just like, nah. Not yeah, that. anytime your team um, like gets their kit designed by Umbro, you're like, oh, could it not be Nike or like Adidas or someone like? At least you, if you're gonna get your kit made in a charged sweatshop, it could at least be by like a cool brand, you know. Well, <laughs> it, it got me back on the walk back through a load of Spurs fans um, after we'd won two 0 through two late. Ian Wright goals. My brother got me the ticket. Mm. Spurs away. That was fucking fun. Kept us in for an hour afterwards. A little bit of kick off afterwards on Tottenham High Road. Uh, I legged it. Because I, I was quite young. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. My well, love yeah. or not, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, that, that's how me and Gareth uh, defend ourselves in this uh, FPL league right now. Uh, could be doing the worst, though. Bottom of the league still. Tony Khan's cousin, Sunil, has uh, rock bottom there with his. Uh, and he's about 20 points off the pace as well. I feel like he's trolling oh. us and he's doing it on purpose. Hey, how did you um, how did you get on the draft league this week, Benno? You were playing my ten year old son. Oh yeah, um, yes, I lost to a ten year old child. That is the uh, story. And before we uh, press record on this podcast, everyone, Jay, um, Gareth brought his ten year old child to his webcam to go look. There's the lad that you beat this week, and I got laughed at. So yeah, if, if being called a virgin last week wasn't enough, I'm now being laughed at by children. Everyone, it's like the post pickums all over again. It's 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 not quite working out this podcast in life. It's really you seem not. to be getting really a ton not. of abuse of people. Oh, I had a terrible time in the draft league though. Yeah, I, I got a I've got Aguero and he started playing again. I'm still getting no fucking points. My all my tactic of going heavy on United and City has not worked out. And yeah, uh, you'll like clean the floor with me this week, uh, Gareth. It's it's a long game, isn't it? As as I keep telling myself, looking at the uh, looking at the overall league. I think as we uh, when we recorded last week, I was feeling quite cocky on that Sunday night at our. That, that we recorded. I think I was like second in the in the grapple league. I don't even want to look this week after taking a minus eight minus eight hit for fucking like practically two points or something like that. So yeah, let's uh, let let's just sweep this one on the carpet and uh, 
let's think about the uh, think about the long game. Maybe talk about wrestling or something. Uh, Thirty second mates, <laughs> happy to help. Just uh, just to throw that in there. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we should uh, <laughs> let's talk about wrestling. Like if uh, if people aren't uh, having had enough of us back in our bullshit talking politics and fancy football, should we talk about that that fresh exciting subject that there's not done to death as uh, as to whether uh, Brit Res is dead or not? Uh, that's a uh, that's the that's the topic of conversation today. Should we talk that? And fucking yeah, I, I did that. I did Will Cooling's podcast uh, last week on the torch, and we had a we had a really nice chat about you know when when exactly did Brit Res die? Talking about you know was it you know was the peak the hydro? Is the peak progress Wembley? You know when exactly did things start to fall off? Uh, and then yeah, on the, on Twitter today, poor Will uh, causing trouble again started a, a bit of a conversation he dared to say that after a year where there's uh there's been speaking out there's been a worldwide pandemic um on a scene that was already lacking you know big names and big stars because they'd all pretty much been sweeped up in the last couple of years that maybe just maybe when things come back next year Brit Res is gonna be maybe not quite as good um and as usual it led to all of the usual 17-year-old wrestlers on Twitter and the mates uh, yep. kicking off. Oh, what do you mean, Brett Rez is dead? Loads, loads of, you know, you got fucking people rolling out their scroobious pip-like lists of uh, Moser and Body Guy and all of the all these, uh, you know, these really over mid-carders that are, that are going to sort things out, just like they sorted things out uh, in the year before the pandemic. Uh, nothing to worry about. That's Rez isn't dead and it will never die. Um, saying that, what will never die, I think, is this conversation. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's it's been a... Uh, I I'm, I'm not saying I didn't find the flames. Phrase. <laughs> I really should have printed, as I said to Will, really should have printed a t-shirt. We could have made so much money on Grapple with that. Now, it feels a bit callous to go with Brit Rez's death, but back then, there was money to be made. There was merch than that. Well, maybe we should flip it and just totally go against what Will said there and, you know, Brit Rez is definitely alive because some, like, 45-year-old dad of seven, like, Dave the Rockstone is taking on, like, Terminator Extreme, who's <laughs> 10 stone and age 15 in a church hall in front of 35 people for Exeter Extreme Wrestling or something like that is, like, is, you know... That's out there. That's happening. So Brit Rest is alive. You know, call Meltzer, book Wembley. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, but we are moments away from the, uh, when there's been shows start running again in February, you're going to get those like photos of like 50 people in a church or, well, Brit Rest dead, is it? It's coming. It's coming, JP. Oh, I know. It it, it just, so I was out on my walk during all of this and I just felt like, so I missed a lot of that. I came back and I was like, what the fuck? fuck is going on here and then i thought will must have said something pretty offensive he must have said something like just to stir the pot good Mm. lad and then i went back and read his tweet which was pretty much kind of on on the nose about all these quite serious legitimate reasons Mm. but no 19 year old wrestling trainee he knows better um (laughs) doesn't he knows exactly about the nuances of uh dealing with not having enough savings in your account, so you're not able to kind of, you know, uh, you know, draw upon, uh, uh, you know, you've had to draw down on your savings, so you're not going to be able to get loans, things like that, issues with VOD. Mm. Yeah, misses all of that because there are some really good trainees who I don't doubt there are some excellent trainees up and down the, the land mm. and that that might be one of the things that comes out of a kind of boom of Brit Rest training schools that we've also seen that's kind of gone hand in hand with the actual promotions mm. but that nuanced discussion can never happen mm. can it that can't happen at all about how do you build it up are we going to be left with a situation where we've got lots of 
very regional small promotions who can't really draw more than 200 because there isn't a lack of venues out there. No, Will was clearly just saying all UK wrestlers are shit. <laughs> that was clearly the big fucking takeaway. Um, and I read this stuff, and I won't lie, and it just gets me angry. And it's just like the kind of, like some of the defensive, defensive now, they're just thick. Just absolutely deliberately thick and fucking ignorant. Um, and at times it's just like, it's just like, no, but listen to this child over here. They're the ones who are really in the know. And I, I, I'm kind of done with it because so many people have like, we've like people again, I mean, there's a phrase that I've sort of been coined with on this show and I'm just going to say it and I'm going to change the last word. Read a British history website. For fuck's sakes, when stars disappeared before, everything didn't carry on as brilliantly as it was. When there were none of those kind of big imports that were able to make it over, BritRest wasn't doing shit. Mm. And then I agree with you. And the, the podcast that you did with Will, when you're pointing about like the kind of boom, I was wondering whether it was the Tanahashi match as something that kind of drew people like out to to rep I know it was a thing yeah. that kind of drew me there as well. I went for the Okada but, Osprey match. That was like the first yeah. rep. I've been I've been going to Northwest Indies and you know all of my local shows for like you know the last twenty years pretty much. But like getting me to travel down south to go going to shows, it was when Red Pro started using the New Japan talent. That's it. And you're not going to have any people who are WWE contracted on mm. any of these shows, mm. particularly because of COVID now. So you're going to be left with none of these kind of stars to sell it and no imports to sell it. Mm. And I don't doubt they're good, but talent doesn't do it. There are lots of talented football players who play for Fulham at the minute mm. and they're having their arses kicked, kicked most weeks. Yeah, that's like talent doesn't, doesn't ensure success. It has to be kind of, you have to kind of bring it through. You have to make sure in this case that they're working against people who are going to help improve them rather than just against themselves. And then you're just hoping that there's some sort of once-in-a-lifetime talent that comes through, and then inevitably they'll get signed away as quickly as anything else. Hmm. So there's an element of realism that needs to happen with a lot of these conversations as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I read it. I just saw lots of hilariously bad, ill-informed takes about it. And if you want the serious answer, no, Brit Rest is, isn't dead, but it's... At the minute, it's on its fucking knees. Mm. Yeah? That's the realistic fucking take of all of It's not this. as catchy that, though, JP. <laughs> no, it isn't. And it requires a bit of fucking reading, doesn't it? And a bit more sort of... People don't read on Twitter. What are you talking about? They just look and just interpret, no. like interpret based on what one person's opinion who's retweeted it or something like that saying. You know, I think that's definitely one of the uh, the lessons I've uh, I've had today, like looking at there's some of the responses to Will's stuff there where you're just like, hang about, he's put this effort to put in this bullet-pointed thing there that's like really considered and he's yeah. detailed out like it from quite a few different angles, thinking about a lot of different things and then like people just, yeah, yeah, too long, didn't read and I'm just going to fucking read into it what I want. And, you know, for me it does just like, it just boils down to that. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not too proud to admit the reason I got into Brit Rest was because AJ Styles and Prince Devitt were fucking wrestling at PCW, like mm. 35 miles down the road from me in Preston. And it was only because of AJ Styles and Prince Devitt drawing me to Preston that I got into your Joey Aces and your Martin Kirby's and your Rampage Browns and people like that of this world, which in turn got me into your 
tell Bannums and your big T's and your shake all shams and things mm-hmm. like that by hanging around and seeing these guys and thinking that they're good and things like that. But there's no way that like fucking Johnny No Name kick pads kind of thing is pulling some new fan to the to the to an arena somewhere because he's because he's good and because he you know he can he, he can pull out these amazing moves or something like that. There's got to be that hook that gets people there, and that's not something that's going to be going to be out there anymore. You know, like. And it used to infuriate me, like, obviously, when I wasn't doing this and you would talk about, like, Brit Rest is Dead, Benno, and I'd mm. see people on Twitter just going, like, just totally reading it wrong and just thinking you were trying to – and people would be replying to you, like, like there, Brit there Rest is alive. Promotions. And again, it'd be, it'd be because this show's on here this weekend, you know, like, yeah. you know, what the example I used before, like – Exeter extreme wrestling in front of 30 people. Britness isn't dead because we're still running kind of thing. And it's like, no, the point is at one point there, like British wrestling was the talk of the world, or it was at least considered to be something that was, you know, mm. definitely this, this area of the world that you needed to to watch and talk about, because as well as the modern, you know, British, you know, the best British talent that was coming through, you had, yeah, you know, great independent workers from America or Japan and things like that crossing through and putting on these like real unique matches. And that's just not happening and it's not going to happen for the next five years or 10 years because people just can't, people just can't work for anybody they want to work for these days. And Mm. the level of talent that is in Britain is different to what it was when you had, you know, you had your Sabres and your Ospreys and things like that coming through and you could be pairing up, you know, if you think we had the fucking Bucks here and the Mega and all that kind, that shit ain't happening anymore. You're not putting on matches like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to work again. Exactly, you know, it's just, it just, it, it, it just ain't happening and like the whole structure of wrestling's just changed and the fact that people can't see that and they, you know, never mind speaking out and never mind like coronavirus and things you almost take those two things out of the equation the landscape of wrestling has changed to the extent that we can't have that same situation that we that we enjoyed that perfect storm of everything coming together and like once you throw these speaking out and coronavirus into the mix like jesus the fact that some people can't see that is frightening absolutely frightening Mm, yeah it is and it's just like this idea that yeah, people are going to turn out in the droves, just like despite that, despite those things that have happened this year, to see, to, to charitably go there and cheer on these mid carders that might be really good in six or seven years. Like it's just it's you're just burying your head in the sand. And a lot of it comes from people I think who just didn't live through it. Like you said, Gareth, I was at those PCW shows in the you know the 11s and the 12s, and like so was there in the dark days of the scene in like the mid 2000s when it was like you know. People, people will say that, well, it was it was once on its arse before, so we'll just do it again. Like, not realising you know, the amount of things that had to come together for, like, you know, our, like, you know, local level wrestlers to, you know, to to get better, you know, working with imports in the mid-2000s, whether it's your Chris Travis's of the world and, you know, other people of that generation who, who worked with each other and, and therefore made each other better and then worked with imports and then they got better. And then, you know, they say... You know, PCW started running super shows, and that was kind of the boom we had up up north uh, in the early 2010s. And then, yeah, like you say, the I think I think the big thing is like it's one thing I think gets missed from the conversation is like how big Brit Res being like this cool 
thing. I mean, I say cool, but you know, as cool as it can be, type of thing yeah. was was what you know created this boom. Like, I if you told me when I was going to like Future Shock and GPW shows in like two thousand seven that like people would sit and watch G- Brit Res on VOD, I'd be like, fuck off, that's not happening. And then PCW came along, and then you know had high production values, and then Progress and you know Rev Pro got their shit together, and you know before you know it, yeah, that, that did happen. But like a lot of it was was due to just you know it became a cool place to be. We had all these co- cool imports coming in. We had all of these young wrestlers who've been around for a while were were starting to peak. Um, and it was, I think, the big thing. You know, you, you mentioned, you know, speaking out on that, and not to not to talk about that lightly, but you know, the idea that Brit Res was a it was a night out, like. You know, we're we're pretending here that like the Brit Res Proof had as much to do with the actual wrestling in the ring as it did for I can go to like a meet and greet and meet this famous wrestler I know, or I can go and meet my mates and get drunk. Like the amount of like the Brit Res Broom that is caked in that that culture, yeah. which is gonna be gone. Like whether you wanna blame COVID because we're gonna have social distancing for fuck knows how long, or you wanna blame and you should probably blame speaking out, um, you know, that this summer and all the things we found out about why you know, well, a light was shone on why that culture was toxic and is, you know, a bad, you know, the, the, it's no coincidence that like the, uh, the centerpiece of all of the allegations in the summer was your fight club pros and your ICWs and your progressors where that fan culture was, you know, so dominant. Um, you take that away. And what is Brit Res? It's like you said, Gareth, it's a, it's some shows running around the country that will be running with talented young wrestlers who are going to be, you know, fine, but, this hot scene that the world was paying attention to that, you know, was getting watched by, you know, podcasts abroad and, and considered on, you know, on worldwide ballots when it came to match of the year and wrestler of the year stuff. Like I say, never mind, you know, the top level of talent being scooped up over the last couple of years. It's, it's all of those factors as well. And yeah, like you said, we'll try to put that point across, but it just kind of gets, and it's partly my fault, gets swept up in a no Brit Res isn't dead kind of <laughs> meme. And yeah, and I do uh, I do definitely regret starting at this point. <laughs> I think as well, though, like one of the things that people just seem to be forgetting as well is like things were tapering off last year before coronavirus, totally, yeah. before, before yeah. speaking out. You know, like I, I think sometimes, again, because of, because of you guys, um, probably, <laughs> probably the Grapple podcast probably gets like tarred with being a bit like anti-progress, yeah. like, uh, you know, or, or a lot anti-progress kind of thing. Whereas, like, you know, I think I speak as someone who, you know, we'd we'd obviously like talk about it and laugh about it. Like, I'd I'd still be, like I still had a season ticket of progress yeah. up until like last year, you know, kind of thing. I was still making that trip down every. You know, for one, the idea that I was making a trip down to London every fucking two weeks or three weeks or something mm. like that from Liverpool to go and watch wrestling is fucking bizarre to me. From a thinking back to that PCW days kind of thing, it's almost like you know, you're going to London once was a big like a big thing to go and see a show. Never mind going like that regular, and then and then you know it was getting to the stage there at the end where I was literally going to shows at the ballroom, and I knew maybe like two people there, and like you know I was like sitting. I was sitting on a row where there'd be like me and then maybe like three other people on a row of like 12 or something like that, where there'd be, you know, in previous days it would have been packed. So it's not like Brit Rest has died now or it's died because of speaking out or coronavirus or whatever. The whole, everything that went along with the WWE stuff and the cooling down of the, of the, of the industry itself is just like totally, you know, tapered into that. And then I think there's people out there who honestly believe that if 
in 2021 and it's fine to go to shows again and progress run a show at the ballroom there's going to be 800 people there and there wasn't it like i think they sold out chapter 100 mm. but i don't think they sold out like eight you know eight shows around that kind of thing and you know that's not me sticking the knife in like i've, I've been as big a progressive fan as anyone they were fucking great to me like uh, yeah in terms of when i set the app up and doing like the progress top 10 and things like that like i you know I'm, i've got no axe to grind with some of them guys on a personal level you know mm. but it's just a fact they weren't selling out shows people weren't going to them shows and like you know I'd, I'd be amazed if they can get anywhere near that level especially with the talent that's going to be available to them you know when 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 things do go up and running i fucking hope they do because that's great because it'd be great for british wrestling if they do but i'm a realist and i'm fucking think about things properly i don't just go yeah there's this lad who can do flips who's age 16 in a gym somewhere you know the rest is fine kind of thing you know i look at it on a worried perspective as like no i want there to be a scene i want to be able to go somewhere where i can watch top class wrestling where i can like see a group of people who are all excited to go to that same event as me and like i just don't think it's going to be there and i think like and, and i think people are kidding themselves they're absolutely kidding themselves if they think it's going to be that way yeah, completely agree with that. I mean, it, it, it's it's a case where this is... Uh, I mean, I always thought what Progress did so well was, like, people talked about the storylines and creative and things like that. It wasn't. It was, a, like, in terms of marketing, they turned going to wrestling into being a kind of a cool event. Yeah. It was a cool, it was a cool thing to do. And it had this kind of drinking culture around it, like Fight Club Pro, like ICW. Mm. And... Those are the things that are kind of, you know, appealing to people to go and have these big meetups as much as anything else. And I just can't see that taking place. Mm. And, you know, I think it's it's a case where the whole scene is going to need to. And I'm thinking, you know, after what you were saying about when the absolute peak was and I wondered whether or not it was that NXT UK tournament, the first one, Mm. is that the absolute peak of it? And then at that point all the kind of bad signs start to cut. It's not from a, all from a business perspective of things tapering down because that always takes like a year. Look yeah. at WCW, read a history book. You know, like it was the case, what was 98 was their best year ever and it was an awful year for creative. So it takes like, a, there's there's a staggered effect when it works its way through. Yeah. Um, and there are lots of, and you, you will have seen them and I enjoy going to a lot of these shows, you know, there's going to be a trial and error process. It's going to be a lot of pressure on people who've been wrestling for quite a long time, but haven't been able to dedicate to it as a full-time profession. Mm. to all of a sudden kind of be locker room leaders and leaders in the ring. And that's going to be a new position for a lot of wrestlers. So it's actually quite nuanced Mm. in terms of how do you develop talent over this period where there isn't going to be that many imports coming because who's going to be able to afford them, you know, you can't share the flight. Sharing the flying costs is something that's not going to be necessarily doable. If yeah, exactly. And there's so many ifs, buts, and maybes with a lot of this that I'm not expecting to kind of see people possibly like you know 2022. And I'd already kind of been phasing out of going to Brit shows outside of the kind of big ones anyway over 2019. So it feels like you know, and we're people who absolutely you know clearly been doing this podcast for what coming up to four years now Mm -hmm. which has kind of all started from that boom period as well totally it it, it, it's it's a it it feels to me like there 
is that you need to be kind of we need to be kind of really mature about this and mm. that things are going to take time it's like putting all your hope into the appg stuff mm. it's like any effect it might have and that's a big might because these things are you know effectively where they're going to ask a question but as i said at the start of the show remember who's in power and remember the fact they don't like feeding starving children and then ask yourself do they give a shit about wrestling so like when it when it comes into like various kind of uh legal changes or unionization those things are quite a while away so there's just going to be this big rebuilding process that happens over that time and hopefully there's a few things that stick and hopefully a few people are able to stay around so they're going to be able to unless they get signed anyone good gets signed up on mothballed and in in enfield because ultimately it's a steady income at a time when so many people if they've had any savings at all have had to completely draw down on those and you see lots of stories of wrestlers having to sell their gear and stuff like that that doesn't suggest the boom times are coming back no no you know and there's going to be that moral question of whether people want to go to shows like it's like yeah. like i talked up with will you know i think some of the the venom that goes towards like you know Rev Pro in general and and Glenn and people won't watch these these pay per views. They put a pay per view on on Twitch for free this Sunday, and they were still they were you know they were getting more abuse than actual people chatting about it uh, this weekend. That you would think if people feel that strongly about Rev Pro, are people going to go to Fight Club Pro in a rebranded way? You know the Retainer Progress, your you know your ICWs of the world. Like mm. people, if people are checked out for that, I would think. For, for the places where there was even well, where, where the serious abuse took place, people are gonna have, people are gonna have a moral question about who they who they want to see to see wrestle, who they you know which companies they want to support, like that fan base that you know is so engaged and so involved in all all this stuff that led to speaking up this summer, like they're the people who were also you know fronting Brit Res, they're the ones who were paying for this boom period, and I think you've got a lot of people who are disconnected from the scene now. You know, like I saw um, Akil put on Twitter today that, you know, there's a lot of people who made Brit Res their entire personality um, who are going to have to... He put it in a different way than this, but, you know, who are going to have to, you know, think of some... I think that's what it is. I think there's a lot of people who made Brit Res such a big part of their life, and, you know, I was there too, um, who are now having to deal with the fact that, yeah, that that scene that they knew and that that culture that they knew and those friends that they knew, it's not going to be... It's not going to be the same, and I think a lot of it's defensive, Um in that way because of that too um but you know it's you know we're we're in the world though you know we found we found out today one that brit res is is dead again and that sabu is cancelled so you know we're, we're learning new things today class. that's uh <laughs> no. He, no, no. I know. sabu of all people mate he did their uh he did a shirty tweet so he he replied to jordan like with it. a with a with a weird gross tweet calling a fat or something like that it's like, sabu well, sabu i know i know ecw dropped on his head really? for years Bit of a scumbag, plenty of stories about him. Yeah, all my uh, my expectations were dashed on him today. So I learned two big uh, two big lessons today. You'd be telling me that Dick Murdoch's a toss next. <laughs> Dick, a... he's all right. <laughs> it's from JP. Clan, That's lad. a quote. <laughs> Dick, he's all right. There you go. JP yeah. all had everyone. <laughs> it, it's yeah. I've forgotten what I was going to say there. I, 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 I think another thing though as well there that you're saying like Benoit. As well as from that big company trust as well. But a lot of what I saw on Twitter today was people talking about these smaller local promotions and it'd been almost like, yeah, we're, you know, we're still here and there's new talent and this is where it's going to feed through. And again, I, you, know, you can't quantify it, but 
if the people who have been at the top of the industry uh, working for the likes of Progress and RevPro and OTT and things like that have been outed as being, you know, the people that they have and the behavior that they've seen at training schools and things like that, like, how much are people even going to trust these local small promotions again anyway? Because it's certainly, you know, it makes me think about like, you know, when you saw a lot of things, I mean, locally to us, there was that gym in Runcorn and things that there was a lot of like real negativity attached to and things like that. And you think they're, they're flying under the radar even more than, than at the top level of the industry as well. And then it, it, so it's like at this smaller show level and smaller promotion level and they're, they're feeding through these smaller gyms like – I don't know. Why should I trust that I can go to a show that's run by these guys with these people that I don't know, that I don't know who the trainers are, that there's almost like less consequences for and things like that, that when at the absolute top of the industry, these people who are literally signed to WWE and signed to, you know, major promotions or they're at least working with major independent promotions and they're still getting away with this shit, like, like, and, you know, obviously you're not saying it is happening kind of thing, but there's been plenty of evidence there that it, that it is happening. And my faith in going to those kind of shows as well is probably as shattered as much as it is going to the big shows kind of thing, because it, it makes me just think, like, I don't know, you know, there's been all this all this stuff about, oh, yeah, we need to have, you know, the likes of RevPro putting their policies out and Progress putting their statements out and things and teaming up with equity and all different things like that these guys aren't going to be doing any of that. And then, so are you supposed to just sort of support them going forward because you want to sustain the scene and you want like Mm -hmm. these young guys to come through, you know, you do want to do that kind of thing. But I think there's a lot of people there who are going to have question marks in their minds where, you know, there wouldn't have been question marks in the past. I would have quite happily just randomly turned up to a show on, you know, if I just happened to be in a random town for the weekend kind of thing. And I saw there was a show on, I'd have probably just gone to the show. And like now you're sort of thinking, Mm, I don't know who are these guys. Are they, what's their backstory? You know, do it. Is you know, was anything said about them? Kind of thing during speaking out and things like that. And I think there's probably, you know, I think there's probably an, an element of a lot of people as well that have got the same opinion there as well because there definitely is that. You know, how many times during the last few months have you have you maybe said something about a wrestler and then somebody's replied to you and gone, oh, oh I wouldn't mention him or you know, like oh, you don't want to be watching his matches or something like that, and then you've missed something on Twitter because you you haven't found out about you know you haven't heard this thing about them, and I think there's there's such a lack of trust and knowledge in the industry now as well kind of thing i think that's damaged things too really that you know you're probably going to get these people steering away from from those type of promotions and as a lesson to the kind of younger wrestlers who like kind of enjoy the pylon aspect all that does is reinforce the thing that kind of really was exacerbated by speaking out which is this disconnect in the relationship between the wrestlers and the fans and the relationship that really in many ways shouldn't exist in the first place but that kind of sense of hatred by wrestlers for Mm. fans when they speak up about stuff in the industry which was tiresome in the 90s like Mm. i find that stuff like tiresome now it's like i'm sorry the genie's out of the bottle stop fucking pretending it's it's a work we know how this operates Mm. yeah there's a few books on it, um, and uh, maybe um, it, it like that's the thing I found that was also kind of disturbing to it. They kind of resorted to that very, very quickly out of it, and it's not a case where Will said, "Will said, we, Will Cooling said we were all shit." No, he didn't. Read the fucking tweet again. Yeah, and if you haven't, 
maybe think of getting yourself to a further education college. <laughs> there you go. And JP, I'll teach you to. Um... <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> no, I won't. My uh... classes are full. <laughs> Look, JP, Brute Res isn't for the fans, it's for the wrestlers. And giving any kind of impartial opinion, yeah. that's just mean. But, you know, we need to just stop being mean. Um, stop having a go at all these poor wrestlers trying to uh, make a living, JP. It's unbelievable. Um, but, yeah. Not the wrestler who called, uh, shout out, calling someone a nonce. <laughs> that one, yeah. That was, that was all right, was it? <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's kicked off a little bit today, but I'm sure it'll. Uh... Mr. Custom Video himself. <laughs> Well, we've all got something Sorry. off our chest a little bit there. And yeah, like you said, the, the conversation kind of started with that podcast and then with Will on the torch. So I do feel like we uh, we lit the flame a little bit there. But, you know, you can go check that podcast out look, uh, for more detailed thoughts on that. Um, we said we're not the Brit Res podcast anymore, lads, but I think we spent about 40 minutes on that. That's how, that's how, that's how passionate we are. People say we don't care about Brit Res. We do care. That's why we uh, that's why we rant and that's why we, you know, we give the takes that we do. Because, like Gareth said earlier, we would actually like it to be good. Um yeah. yeah, the reality is, I think uh, a lot of people are going to get a sharp shop in uh, in twenty twenty one. But should we move on? Should we talk some of the other stuff we've uh, we've been watching uh, this last weekend? Uh, non Brit Res. Uh, let's get away from all the problematic stuff, lads, and let's talk about uh, World Wrestling Entertainment and Impact Wrestling. That's where uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's where all Clean the other good stuff happens cut family fun yeah, there you go <laughs> no issues there um, did either of you uh, watch much of uh, Hell in a Cell on Sunday uh, did you know Hell in a Cell was on Sunday uh, I knew because it was an 11 o'clock start and I'm a sucker for that when uh, when the clocks change and uh, you get a. I remember like the all the, years years ago when I was actually invested in WWE. This was always a great period. This with the uh, you know the shows starting a little bit earlier with the uh, the American clocks not changing quite yet, and you get like a little mini version of that like around WrestleMania time as well. I was all hyped up for Hell in a Cell. I uh, couldn't have told you what was on it, but you know I watched it. Uh, <laughs> I assume you guys didn't watch this thing live. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> No. What have you actually seen? We've all been bitten so many times by them. Yeah. That live investment isn't something that's going to happen. Yeah. You could have Let just alone looked... payment for their goods and services. They should be very lucky if that ever happens again. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was another one where I uh, I watched wrestling.la um, to, uh, <laughs> to, 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 to see this. Um, Good lad. <laughs> to be fair, though, you could have just watched that first hour and moved on, to be honest. Um, I, I'm saying that there was the uh, the women's uh, Hell in a Cell match was very good mm. as well. Have you guys seen the, at least the, the main matches from it then? Did you uh, did you use the app, Gareth, and, uh, uh, and pick and choose? Yeah, yeah, I, de- I definitely did. I mean, I've gone from sitting up in the middle of the night putting WWE matches on one by one as they've been happening live to putting out tweets saying like yeah just to let you know we won't be putting this tonight's whatever pay-per-view you know won't be going on live but it'll be on first thing tomorrow to the point where last night i didn't even tweet to tell anybody that i wouldn't be putting it on live and then i don't think i actually even put it on the app till midday and literally no literally nobody even like dm'd me or emailed me or anything to say like where's where's hell in a cell whereas you know i'll probably get more people asking me where like stardom is and things like that you know than than um than than this so it just in our small kind of uh in, in our small cross section of society there i don't think anyone knew or cared that uh, hell in a cell wasn't on the app anyway yeah uh, very uh, very soon but i mean when i did get it up and i looked at the ratings i thought yep yeah, there's only uh there's only two things i'm actually going to be bothered about watching here so um yeah, it definitely saved me probably about 
three and a half hours there and managed to just tune into tune tune into an hour in total and just just watch one one match but i mean oh, i mean <laughs> sums up how i felt i mean splitting this out i mean in t- in total you know i think i think as a precursor to my opinions here i think like I think I almost would like want to precursor it saying that like I've barely watched any WWE product this year. You know, I've watched probably, I don't know, 75% of pay-per-views, if that, maybe 60%, maybe like pick and choose a few matches. So in theory, I'm not like a jaded fan to the WWE product. I'm kind of, you'd, you'd sort of almost say that I'm like taking a break from the product a little bit and just, you know, dipping back in, you know, dipping out as a fan of 30 plus years, you know, like thinking, yeah, yeah, let, you know, let's, let's give it a go. But like, fucking hell. I mean, this, this first match for me, and I have seen the ratings on the app that clearly a lot of people fucking enjoyed this first match. But my God, like I've gone one star on this first match between the tribal chief Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. <laughs> it's uh, like, ah, oh, I mean, literally, I was immediately taken out of it by the god awful like booze and like like stock tape boo footage kind of thing that they had like going on over there. It was absolutely like immediately i was just like oh come on kind of give me a break kind of thing because it just all felt a bit different and a bit new especially when you've been watching the g1 and you've been used to the same dynamic and things like that so i was kind of i don't know it was more positive than i've been like going into a wwe pay-per-view than than, than recently especially kind of because there was good ratings on the on the uh, on the app for this first match but then then like roman reigns comes out and that kind of like dissipated a little bit because you know he looks great, like that new look for him and things like that. He's, he essentially to me is like he'd be a WWE star in the 80s or the 90s or anything mm. like that. He looks fucking great. He's like ripped to shreds. He looked like he could absolutely fucking fuck you up properly. He's like got star quality and everything like that. And then like within minutes, like the melodrama starts, like I've changed because I have to and stuff. He's like chanting at Jey Uso and I'm just like, oh my God. And then like... Corey Graves is there on commentary, giving it the whole, like, all Jey Uso had to do was say that Roman Reigns was his tribal chief kind of thing. And, like, my wife was in the room at that point, and I just look at her, and she's just, like, looking back and forward to me and just, like, sniggering and, like, just, like, what the fuck is this shit kind of thing? And you're just like, oh, God, like, what am I watching? And then just (laughs) the amount of verbiage, the amount of dialogue and things like that 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 was coming out there, and it's just, like... You know, like, oh, I, I, I don't want to have to do this. Or you don't understand I'm the man. I'm the tribal chief and all these, like, stock lines that have been fed to him. I'm just like, what What the fuck am I watching? Like, is, is this wrestling? Or, or, like, you know, I've said this before. It's just pure, like, high school, sixth form, putting on a play for the parents to come to watch, like, terrible, terribly written, like, melodrama. And then, like, and then... I was trying to kind of like separate that side of it and think, okay, let's focus on the match kind of thing. People have given this a good rating. Let's let's try and forget about all this all this bollocks. But even the match itself, like it lasted half an hour, and like what happened? What happened in a Hell in the Cell match 
to make somebody quit, to make somebody be, it's like, I quit. I am going to make you quit. I am going to fuck you up so badly that you want to quit. And like, like, I think the first time, like normally in these sort of matches, you get the the ref like going on and he's looking at, you know, you're hearing like, what do you say? What do you say? Kind of thing. And it's like, do you quit? Do you quit? And then like, I think the first time I heard it was when like Jey Uso like hit a big splash off the top rope on Roman Reigns. And and I was like, well, he's going to quit because somebody did a big splash on the top rope off him. Like kind of like, what the, f- like what? <laughs> like, and that, like that just like totally, totally took me out of it. As well, there was like that. Honestly, I do not understand in the slightest how anybody could possibly have given this match the level of rating that it has got on Grapple. Like the amount of fucking bullshit, like just talking and melodrama that just went into this match, and just like in a half an hour match, there was probably about like ten minutes of wrestling, of which none of it was actually that vicious for like a Hell in a Cell match. None of it was actually centered around trying to make somebody quit like oh somebody got hit with a belt for a bit kind of thing but otherwise they just like stood around and told them what a bad cousin they were or something like that and you know like sat in the middle of the ring cross-legged at the end crying because his brother's coming who he used to like knock about with and play with his kids and things like that and then and then he and then he just quits to save his brother from being beat up, who'd been beat up for about four minutes or something like that. Like, honestly, like, talk about bring me coming into this thing totally cold, quite positive, thinking, let's give it a go. I like the look of this Roman Reigns character. And then just, like, walking away from it and just, like, if I if I never hear the words tribal chief again in my life, I must have heard it forty times during that match. It was uh, uh, you know, and literally the only enjoyment I got was like Roman celebrating with his nans at the top of the ramp at the end of the match. <laughs> like, his two like, nans, <laughs> literally one star, absolutely wow. speechless. Like I just uh, I, I hated it. Thirty minutes of my life tonight that I could have been watching that New Japan Six Man that I never got around to watching and oh. Like, just I give up, honestly. I liked it. <laughs> I'm one of the people. What did I you like about it? it? What What did you possibly you know what? like about this? I, Tell me what was good about it. I don't disagree in a, like a broad sense that I hate the Shawn Michaels. Sorry, I love you. Like you know, fucking melodramatic. Stop the match and let's turn the mics up and do some dialogue stuff. Like completely agree. I hate that stuff. I do. And you're right. Like this wasn't like. Uh, the blood feud kind of, you know, bloody cage match that it was kind of, in a way, promoted as, you know, the Usos talking up that they were going to, you know, do some damage to Roman and Roman talking up he was going to do some damage for them. You didn't get that. But I was honestly, I was, I, the bit I disagree on was Roman. Like, I was completely, completely bought into his performance in it. And I've seen, like, both sides of the the take. I've seen, like, Twitter seemed like it was split down the middle on it. There were people who fucking loved it, like like John Pollock, and there's people who absolutely hate it, like the, like the voices of wrestling lads. And I've seen every take in between as well. But for me, like, I I mean, I'm I'm, I'm there with, like, the higher raters on Grapple. I gave this 3.75, Gareth. Uh, I don't know if you want to kick me off the app, but um, for me, it was that it was that Roman Reigns. Oh, <laughs> it was that, uh, for this, after all the things I've done, all the things we've uh, we've done to, uh, to drag Grapple through the mud. Can't believe it's, uh, it's me hell in a cell rating that's done it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, for me, the difference here was the fact that this was, 
this was not, you know, this wasn't Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa doing this on NXT or like two, maybe not them, maybe like, you know, no, they'll do like this dramatic shit with like two people who've been feuding for a month. I feel like this is a story where you can do this, where it had ended a little bit more and there is that. I know you don't, you know, the whole, uh, the family, I am the tribal chief dynamic stuff. I, I kind of get a kick out of that. I quite enjoy that stuff. But I feel like this was a few where you could get away with that. And I honestly, like, I know he was a script. I thought Roman was great. I honestly, like, I've, I've, again, I've seen every take under the sun from his acting being hammy to his acting being. I thought his acting was fantastic. I thought he was great. I really, I believed him when he was shedding those tears in the middle of the ring. I'm sorry. I'm a, maybe it's the fact that, you know, like you say, he's got his new uh, topless look and he's looking like a million dollars and I'm I'm buying into this uh, this new Roman that, uh, that always should have been the old Roman. Um, but yeah, there's something that you know he comes across as like the biggest star in the company right now that he that he never did before, and I've enjoyed this feud. Like I hate WWE TV. There's nothing much else like that I'm going to talk up about WWE. But I I have enjoyed this stuff, and it's one occasion where I felt like I could let the melodrama slide. And I agree, it was too long. Like it should have. If it was 20 minutes, I think this would have been a lot more effective than the. 35 minutes or whatever it, it, it turned into with the uh, with the extra stuff at the start and the uh, and the end but yeah I just I bought in on Roman um, and it worked for me like and it is the type of match that I would normally completely hate on site but yeah something about this feud uh, pulled me in uh, sorry Gareth uh, can I still stay on the podcast uh, <laughs> Go on, <laughs> can I keep me grapple t-shirts I don't want to send that back <laughs> um I oh god, you both. I, so I went three stars on it, but oh, it was more go. in the sense that I. So I didn't see the match they had the month before, and that which is funny because that be one, like, I kind of oh, I felt the same hmm. way. Like I with that one, I was like, I was enjoying the match, and then the melodrama took took away from it. Um, and I was on this podcast saying how much I, I probably would have rated the first half of the match four stars, and the second half of the match two stars. Um, I don't know. I didn't have as much of a problem with that this time. Well, the way I kind of feel about it is it's a storyline that in its basic kind of framework, I can completely get on board with because it ties in the idea of Roman as heel and he is, he looks like the biggest star kind of immediately on this. The real tragedy is he hasn't got the fans to bounce against because that's the added edge that would really be there. And that's where the piped in booze are really frustrating because that feels like it, it's it's just like this kind of inauthentic reaction to something that people have wanted for a really long time. Yeah, and it's very clear that he needed that he needs the heel run before becoming the mega face. Like that was always something that seemed very obvious to all of us. It was like, look, you've got the framework with this set out with Austin and The Rock, where you get this kind of ultra hot heel character, and then they become face because people enjoy seeing them so much. Um, but there's lots of what Gareth said that I, I do on the whole agree with. I just haven't been as brutal in the rating. Mm. Um, like as a match, like I didn't really feel like it was a match. And in some ways, if you told me that Bailey versus Sasha was an I quit match and this wasn't, I could almost get completely on board with that. Cause that was wrestled more like two people in a long-term view. Like I felt like a blow off to a feud it should have been the main event. Mm. That main event I'll never watch because it's a half an hour Randy Orton match. <laughs> so that's that's not happening. Yeah. Like, and I've been more positive on Drew McIntyre than I think most. Um, and I would be like to see a run in front of fans to see 
how that would actually work. I think he's kind of deserves that. But in terms of this match, the melodrama was so heavy handed and they've got completely the wrong commentators. You can do this in a way that, but it requires like if AEW did this, they've got commentators who kind of know how to straddle that line of the kind of melodrama stuff here. They don't Corey Graves doesn't like there's no fucking subtlety there at all. Mm. So it is tribal chief, tribal chief. Was it head of the table? Did that come up a lot? It did. Um, Yeah. It made me pine for the days of the big dog and they're bleak, bleak days. (laughs) But as a match, it wasn't wrestled in a way like it was this vicious blood feud. It's like the, the setting up of it and how the match was booked didn't really work. And it was so overblown that like I couldn't get on board with any of the kind of high rating stuff. I understand the entertainment aspect that I kind of get. And I've been in this weird kind of TNA impact slash new Japan G1 kind of moving between those worlds in the last kind of week that in some ways I was kind of up for seeing it, but I felt let down. It felt like there's this potentially good feud here and the way the direction they are going to go is where Jey Uso actually does join and he's his henchman. And you kind of think, yeah, like them as the heel faction would be really good. I like the idea that if you're going to promote kind of new headliners, it's like the same thing I feel about New Day. Like I'm fine with the idea of this, but I fear that the direction they might go in is some sort of brother versus brother feud, which never often works out unless you're Brett and Owen at WrestleMania 10. You know, very rarely does that actually kind of work. So I don't have any faith in the long-term direction. So I don't have any investment in this. I'm very intrigued to see what they do with, with Roman. Mm. I thought the touch with Heyman being there, because he's got a relationship with the Wild Samoans. I think there's a there's a nice thing for those kind of longer-term fans to kind of get on, get on board with. But yeah, I felt afterwards at the end of it, I was like, Jesus, that was fucking so over the top that, yeah, I went three stars. So you're like the I mean, only man that, I can see. That, you. I mean, you mentioned like you mentioned like Heyman there. Like to mm. me, Heyman was just like a non-factor. He just yeah. it, was, it was pointless. It was it, there was literally zero need for him to be there. Like he just didn't it didn't seem to do anything as as far as I I was concerned. But like I think that line for me that you said there, like that you referred to, like I missed referencing that the head of the table never quits. Roman says as he's like <laughs> leaning over, like leaning over him. Like, what? Who the fuck says that? Like, you know, when I'm, like, talking about, like, Roman Reigns looking like this massive, hard bastard, star-quality person, and then whether he's a heel or a face, they've just got this, like, unmeasurable quality to just be able to turn him into the biggest fucking, like, unrelatable nerd in the whole world just by having him just say, like, ridiculous things and, like, like... yeah, I mean, you said you were saying there, Benno, about like the "I'm sorry, I love you" kind of thing, and like at the time, I fucking loved that. That was that mm. was great. It was a it was a one second kind of it was a little just a split second thing in the middle of a like a match that just worked for what it was kind of thing at the time. Like here now, you've got people having to do they've got to say something every two minutes or every three minutes. They've got to like repeat this contrived dialogue kind of thing to to. We make movies, pal, and like tell stories, kind of, kind of thing like this. Like I was thinking about that. Like I'm sorry, I love you. And can you imagine that now? Can you imagine if they tried to do the "I'm sorry, I love you" moment now? Like, like it'll be like half an hour. I, 
Yeah, yeah. I most humbly apologize for the actions I'm about to bestow on you and your legacy. And, you know, <laughs> like, you know, but before I do, like, je t'aime or something, you know, it would just be like, that, you know, it would have some writer in the back, like, you know, that, that's what it would be now. It would be some ridiculous thing. You'd be looking at Shawn Michaels and just being like, why has he said that? What what would he ever say that? Like, am I supposed to be on board with this guy kind of thing? Like, like, no. And that's just like, it feels like every time I watch WWE product these days, it, it just goes back to that, whether it's NXT or whether it's, uh, or whether it's this. And it's just like, no, let's fucking, let's fucking dial it back a bit here, lads. And just let's have some fucking argument in wrestling and have people talking like people actually talk in real life. I don't know about you guys. That's how I talk in real life. Uh, me and my brothers are always <laughs> fighting over who's the tribal chief. Don't know what you're about. Um, no, I think I think it's quite funny because like JP, you're like the the you know the the reasoned kind of middle ground as you normally are. But like I look at grapple and it's purely Story like my life. it is purely though. It's like people giving it four and five stars and people giving it one star. Like that is like the way this match seems to have gone. Um, yeah, I, again, I don't I don't disagree with like your broad takes there especially like i say the uh the leaning into this 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 sean michaels agented overly dialogue stuff and i think this would in front of a crowd i think it probably would have died too um i could see a crowd absolutely turning on this thing but yeah don't know i just i'm starry-eyed for roman it feels like it's 2014 again and i'm gonna i'm expecting big things from our joe maybe that's what it is uh but yeah <laughs> it connected me on a level i'm guessing it, it obviously didn't you guys but i i don't disagree with like your raw criticism there of this style uh, and they do it too much like i think they might have got away with it more as well with people like yourselves if this was like a one-off um it feels like every show now you get something like this uh from wwe too so yeah, I don't disagree with that broad criticism, but like I say, starry eye for Roman. That's that's all it is. But it's a red rag to a bull. This that, but then being able to do the crowd miking, mm. and at the same time allowing the writers to re- to write in match dialogue. Now at this point, mm. that's where we're at. Like it's like we can do proper cinematic wrestling, what they consider to be cinematic wrestling, which is frankly straight to fucking dvd bottom of the barrel wrestling straight from laser disc uh, it, re- there's some of that really unbound is. for glory to be honest like we should get into that too oh yeah <laughs> but they were doing it throughout the kind of bailey sasha match and that mm. took me out of kind of big points in that match as well mm. i didn't love oh, that as right. much as others talking like, to each other you've seen a lot of four and five stars for that one but i'm not i'm nowhere near as high on that match no, I went three and a half on that one. Mm. It was fought with a real intensity. Mm. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Again, like Gareth said, like coming in completely cold from it and detached from the storylines. I get this one because it's like, oh, yeah, basically the storyline is they've been mates for a long time and now they're not. Mm. Classic wrestling, isn't it? It's not exactly fucking complex. And they went in there to beat each other up as much as you can do in a PG era rated wwe without there being um any kind of bloods being allowed or anything like that and they did that and they were being quite creative and quite brutal in there as well and they clearly obviously got the chemistry between them as well i just again it was the melodramatic stuff the parts of it and the overblown nature of it and the fact it just should have been your main event that was your main event. That was like, you know, either that or Jey Uso. Of the all the things you could fucking headline the show with, Randall you've Keith. got two main events there, mm. which should be main events 
by the way, on separate shows, maybe one month after the other one. I don't, what a fucking wild idea that is. You don't need to, bl- do you need, did, did, um, did Jay and Roman need uh, the cell? Did the cell play a big part in lots of this in some ways? All the fucking agenting lads were able to run in, weren't they? Pretty much easily enough during it. But anyway, I digress. In terms of the Bailey Sasha match, I uh, I enjoyed it a lot more than this one, even though I went three and a half on it in the end. Mm. Because, call me funny, I'd prefer a straight up wrestling match um, and the kind of gimmicky shit and the hell in the cell, which considering how good and how fond the memory I've got of that first Hell in the Cell between Taker and Sean. Like, that's the fucking legacy of that event. It was a big, big deal up until the boss, man. Um, I think that kind of, that was the point where it was like, oh, shit. Yeah, you could name every Hell in a Cell match up until that point, couldn't you? It was like, okay, there was Sean and Taker, then there was Mankind and Taker. You know, you go through, you Rikishi doing his big silly bump, and then it's what Taker boss, man. (laughs) It's like, yeah. Yeah, and then Triple and, H turned and, it into his match. I think that was actually the real death knell for the gimmick when he, for some reason, decided it was his gimmick. It was like, no, it wasn't, mate. His his gimmick was Harley Race doing wacky stipulation matches. Mm. I think that that that's what his gimmick was for for an incredibly long time. But can, yeah, can imagine, can imagine Harley Race doing like speaking to his hands and things like that. <laughs> 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 oh god can you yeah can you imagine that fucking like get some of those 70s and early 80s lads to do this type of stuff imagine the dialogue that through, like a, gone down. through like a crimson mask him and even rick flair staring each other oh this they missed out in the end of the in the 80s the uh, they did. They did. Dust, dusty would have loved it oh yeah oh it's proper <laughs> dusty there well he's the one who came up with the idea of having nothing but cage i thought you'd love it jp you know the uh taking the lockdown concept and bringing it to the wwe seems right up your street i never liked that i never liked the lockdown concept. always popped a buy rate though it did um that died a death, though. How long did that buy pop in the buy rate last for with yeah. DNA? People would buy it and then go, oh, yeah, I've actually got to sit through eight cage matches. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this isn't such a good idea. I, t- I tell you what, though, having to watch multiple cage matches here, though, like, I think I differ from JP here because, again, I'm, like, coming at this cold and mm. I'd, like, literally decided to watch two matches and it was, the like, the... Um, Roman Reigns match and it was it was this one. Mm. This one to me was the complete opposite as far, as far as I'm concerned. I fucking loved this one. I thought this was like, I give this 4.25. Like, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I thought they were like aggressive as fuck. I thought they were like, there was so much like clear heat between them kind of thing. The, the, the hate was like popping through the screen to me. And I was I like literally I was watching it and I was thinking, God, Naito and Evil could fucking do with watching this match and like thinking about, you know, when they go go at each other because they were just like right into it and they were, you know, right from the off. Like Sasha Banks, she put her in a bank statement from the start and it was so tight and it was so deep and it looked like she was trying to break her back and break her neck kind of thing. And I was thinking like, yes, this is what I want kind of thing. These 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 two absolutely going at it. And like, I just thought like throughout there was like loads of like innovative spots or spots that were a bit different kind of thing that at least like perked your interest. And, you know, there, there was a, one of the things that I like definitely differ with JP there is, is, like, I didn't feel like there was a lot of melodrama in this match. Like, I, I thought one of the things that was, like, a big win for me in this one was that that they that they they fought, they they wrestled and they fought. And, like, I was kind of almost, like, looking out of it, out for it because I was a bit 
sort of scarred by watching that first match. And and I think there was like the two moments where like at one point, like Bailey, like she, I can't remember what she did. She, you know, she tried her or something like that. And Sasha went down and, <laughs> and, 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 and like, Bailey, a lot of that. Bailey said like, <laughs> like, like boss of the cell, boss my ass, boss with a broken neck or something. And I was thinking like, yeah, actually, that sounds a bit more like dialogue somebody might say to somebody if they fucking ate each other and they were having a scrap in like an alley behind a pub or something like that kind of thing. It was just direct, straight to the point. It was aggressive kind of thing. And then there was a point as well where like Bailey got a very near fall on Sasha and and Sasha kicked out and Bailey sort of pulled her face and I thought like, oh, here we go kind of thing. And I was just waiting for it, waiting for like whatever. There were, you know, some talking to the hands shit. And Bailey just turned and she just started smashing her in the face kind of thing. And I was just like, yes, yes, that is what we want here. We don't want like, I'm, I, I literally cannot believe that you've just kicked out of my big move kind of thing. Like gasp, I'm going to open my mouth for five minutes. No, I'm going to smack you in the face kind of thing more and more because I'm going to try and beat you there. And like you, you said it when we were talking about the Reigns match was this idea of like this match to me definitely had more instances where I thought like, one of them could say I quit here kind of thing because they just did more stuff to each other where I thought, actually, we've put you in a really tight submission or we've put you in a horrible situation where I'm just like battering you with a kendo stick or something like that where you might just, I can't take any more sort of thing. And and like when I like looked at the match times at the end and I thought, saw that this one went three minutes less than the Reigns Uso match, I was thinking... They must, they've packed in like twice as much stuff here. There's been like so much more aggression, so much more hatred, so much more like more moves, more storytelling by actually wrestling than storytelling by, you know, talking to the hands or talking about being kings of tables or whatever kind of thing. Stuff. <laughs> and I, I, I genuinely, genuinely loved it. And I, and I think like real like testament for me was. I just tuned out of the crowd shit, like the the fake noise, and I tuned out of Graves and Cole, and I was just watching these two go out, and like, you know, I, I loved it. I, I really, really, really enjoyed this match, and and for for to watch that immediately after the one before it, it was such a turn because I'd gone on such a downer. It just put me on a real upper about it, and I think I've talked about this previously. I just think that the change in the Bailey character and what they've done this year, like. I thought they, I thought they'd absolutely blown it with Bailey. I thought they had like money in their hands with her coming out of NXT into WWE as a face kind of thing, and I thought they totally fucked it up. But the way she's approached being a heel and the way her character's changed and seeing her work in the ring, hmm. like she's literally the one highlight. Every time I see her this year, she's she's the she's the best in the WWE for me, and she's the only thing that gets me interested about watching it. Like I'm now thinking. God, I can't wait for the next big Bailey match because because again the way this was worked, she just she just gets it from like a character point of view and a, a wrestling point of view and just putting on that like um, mm. put, the way they put that match on today, like the oh sorry last night the, the 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 aggression and what came out of it, I loved it. Yeah, I think the thing with her is like I would say I still think they blew it. I still think she should have been like the female Rey Mysterio, you know that act that all mm. the kids love and you know it was. They left a lot of money in the table with Bailey's babyface run, but you're right. Like I didn't, I wouldn't have thought she had this heel running there. And she's like, she's leaning into like the it's, a gimmick is basically Karen, isn't it? That that's what she's doing. She's, she's doing Karen as like a as a gimmick, and that is what I, lo- I loved about this match. It was like seeing them two at the start of the match looking like it was like literally in black and in white, like good versus evil, 
both of them looking like they were wearing the WrestleMania gear, looking like like a million bucks, like in in there with each other. And this, you know, you know when they're in there together as well because the you know the best mates in real life. They they know the pressure that comes with you know the rep they've got from you know the matches they had years ago and the you know. The, the the two people who were who have been vocal when they've been misused or you can see like especially on Sasha Banks you can see it written on her face when she thinks creative is bad but when she's in there with Bailey and it's a it's a featured last match like this that I totally agree should have been the main event and should have gone on last um, you can tell they're both up for it um, I gave, actually gave it the same rate as I gave the the Roman match so that might uh, sorry Gareth that might again get me uh, get me banned from grapple but I liked it you know I gave it three point seven five I'm I'm a little bit below the average on uh, on this point maybe mm. I, I think I thought somewhere like that, I thought the weapon use was creative sometimes it was a little bit contrived like the obsession with using that one chair. Uh, it was like, hang on, there's like 20 chairs in the ring, can't you like use these weapons? And there were points in the match as well where like, I, I wouldn't rate it down for this, but Sasha Banks has got a fucking death wish. Like that spot where she went like the back of her head first into the chair, into the corner. It had that, to be honest, if anything, mm. that added something to the match because it kind of gave it that added element of like danger and hate um, that you got out of it as well. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't argue strongly with anyone who rated it highly. And I've seen people talk this up as like the WWE match of the year. And it's not like there's a huge amount of competition for that either, is there? Um, and yeah, it says everything with like the damage that's been done to, to these two in the, in the booking over the years that, you know, when given the right spotlight and given the right story, they can go out there and they can, uh, they can still blow people away. Um, so yeah, if you were if you were only watching two matches on the show, obviously we've had split opinions on that first Alan Cell match, but this would be the one. You know, I, I think people should probably go out and watch, especially based on those uh, those grapple ratings. Average of four point two, Gareth. Like that's not that doesn't happen often for WWE matches these days. No, no. When when you look at main roster as well, like literally, there's been one one other match this year. Like um, AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan had a match on SmackDown in I June, um, yeah. which was like a four point two eight average. That so it's like just slightly ahead of it but mm. yeah that's the uh that's that's the next best main roster behind it and then i think when you you're like literally going down to one in september at clash of the champions jeff hardy styles and Sami Zayn, like the the three-way there that been like 4.08 you know so there's you know there's not a lot of competition at the top there but there's there's a bit of daylight between them front two and, and third place mm. i mean what i would say is is there's probably what i found watching this is is the disconnect I feel in terms of character engagement that I possibly feel across the board. And I do agree, like, like in terms of this match kind of clearly being the one to stand out. I, I don't know what follows this match. and I never will find out what follows this match. Cause I don't 30 minutes of Randy it. Orton being a professional wrestler is the answer. And does his match, his match, that match went half an hour. Yeah. That was just like, well, that's absolutely not happening. In there with Drew Galloway being a professional wrestler. It was the most professional match you will ever see, and therefore the most two star match you will ever see. Yeah. You, you missed nothing, JP. Uh, it's just that my disengagement with how they present the product, and particularly how the commentators present the product for a lot of time, ex- with the exception of Samoa Joe. Who does? Who is just like even through the forced verbiage? I don't even know that's one of their fucking terms now at this point. <laughs> um, e- yeah, even through that, he manages to come across as as kind of as authentic as a WWE commentator can do these days, mm. because it, it's just the whole thing is so vincified at this stage, isn't it? Mm. Um, so it's just that overall presentation, and. I, 
I'm sick of seeing those lights as well. I feel like home, like I said before, I feel like Homer Simpson when he was watching that Japanese show and that episode of The Simpsons, they're all rolling around on the floor because there's just too many lights and images going on. It, it's awful. If there's anyone with epilepsy in that building, they are fucked. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, any other thoughts on doing that? <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. Any other thoughts did on doing the me? Did you watch any more of it, Benno? Or did you just watch them two matches as well? I added on, like... You know, I mean, yeah, it was it was a show like that. The uh, Jeff Hardy Elias match was basically it might as well have been on Monday Night Raw for like for all the good it did. It was just it was a match. Um, Bobby Lashley defeated Slapjack, who looked like like every early two thousands indie wrestler in his baggy indie shorts and his hockey mask. That was like three minutes of my life that I'm never getting back. Um, I'm so glad we're not one of them podcasts that I have to imagine imagine having to break down like this this wow. retribution storyline and how it led to the great United States Championship match where Bobby Lashley squashed a man called Slapjack <laughs> on a pay-per-view. Um yeah. That would be in tears. Yeah. Which one's I'd... Slapjack? Who is he? Which one's Slapjack? I'm actually yeah. not sure which one's Slapjack is. It's not Dominic Dijakovic. Um it's the short it's not one. The... Right. Um, I'd have to... What's going on with that group? This is just again how disconnected. I thought Shameful. there was loads of people on there. That's who it is. Uh, okay. Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like, I'm not being funny. Like there would have been a spot if he left him and Mikey Nichols to do some good business in Japan and tour and the rest of it. I forgot that was him. Jesus. Yeah. I don't. Paul Mustafarali paid off a house in this time. So. Yeah. Paul Mustafarali. Ali after is trying to like save it after like they've basically like. They, they dropped them quicker than they dropped Nexus. Like, they've just gone, yeah, you know. Oh, yeah, this, this hacker group. Oh, yeah, now they wear hockey masks. Oh, yeah, by the way, now they, they lose in, like, four-on-one situations with Bray Wyatt. Um, but, yeah, still take them seriously. Yeah, that's, like, it's one of the... It looks all From a distance, considering I'm not watching Raw and SmackDown every week, it looks fucking awful. It is, because it, it, it initially started when there was the riots after the murder of George Floyd. And as you would do, you'd think, well, here's an angle that we could go with uh, to form a stable. And then after that, they kind of, it almost felt like when Trump lost interest in talking about that stuff, mm. that they sort of, and he started going about Hunter Biden's laptop. That's when they introduced this kind of like vaguely hackerish bullshit as well. Mm. And now they're all wearing gimp masks by the looks of it as well. <laughs> uh, fuck knows. So like, I those reasons why I just can't like I just cannot engage with with it. Mm. I'm just looking at the rate. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the results. So like <laughs> the Miz beat Otis in seven minutes for the money in the bank contract. I skipped but, to the end of that. So he so, <laughs> so they had that whole money in the bank event and they had that whole Otis storyline. Yep. And he gets a belt and he just loses it in seven minutes, like months later. So he doesn't even he doesn't even get a shot at the title. To put Miz yeah. over. Like I was yeah. I was watching it going like, who was that on the outside? It took me like five minutes ago. Yeah, that's John Morrison. I forgot he was back in WWE. It's like it's like Bruce Pritchard's just got like, oh yeah, things were good in twenty ten. Let's go back to that. Um Did you see the court courthouse segment they did in the built in the promo package beforehand? Rough. I watched I watched that. Rather than the actual match, I just mm. skipped through to the Tucker turn in here to see how it was, and I was like, "They were going to push Otis. They, <laughs> at some point, they wanted to push him as like, this is the guy. <laughs> Got a fucking main event. He's the modern day Dusty Rhodes. Ugh. Fucking hell! 
To be fair, I would say that the main headline of, of, of like the rest of the show and the pre-show was the fact that Jeff Jarrett was on there. Um, oh, although yeah. they did have fucking Elias making um, dr- drinking jokes about him, something about like oh how how um, all people named Jeff are addicts. Uh, I was like, fuck me, like Aye. that's. I mean, you're talking to the king there, the king of the mountain. Like I, I don't, I don't stand for that disrespect. Jason. Turned it round. Those AAA days were bleak, admittedly, because <laughs> he didn't look like in a good way, and he was chucking the the fucking tortillas into the crowd as well, which is just an accident waiting to happen, frankly. Um, so, I'm just looking there with these results, and I, 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 literally, I literally had no idea that Randy Orton won. I love the way that we've been talking about this for what half an hour now, or whatever. We've even met your user. We've even mentioned that match, like the world title changed, and like I didn't know about it. Uh, and I've been on Twitter all fucking day, and like Full I run true. a fucking wrestling app, and like, <laughs> um, um, and you mentioned it, and didn't even mention the fact that the world title had changed. Like, yep. oh yeah, imagine this, nineteen eighty nine, like, like talk, talking about like WrestleMania five or something like that, and just like someone just at the end doing a bit. Oh yeah, Hogan beat Savage, by the way. Did you not know? <laughs> like, yeah. But it's not even that though, is it? Because the thing is, if you look at like this is Randy Orton, he's been around. For for like twenty years, this is the equivalent of like in nineteen eighty nine, it not being Hogan Savage and fucking Bockwinkle or fucking Luthez or somebody wins the world title at WrestleMania five. Like some like star from nineteen seventy one is still around, nineteen <laughs> sixty something. Like that's what yeah. we're dealing with. That's yeah, the fact oh, that they've gone back. A- Poor Drew. Like yeah, I mean he had the thankless task. Like you know they made him. They made him champ at a time where, like, he was never going to move any business and it was always going to be a poison kind of chalice. But, yeah, they kind of has ended with minimal fanfare to a loss to Randy Orton. Um, yeah, that's where we are now. Yeah. I'm hyped anyway. I'm hyped anyway for the uh, Miz cashing in on Randy Orton. Oh, I mean... for God. Oh, God's sakes. <laughs> uh, why don't we cover oh. WWE more, lads? I can't believe it. Um... I'm not watching it. <laughs> I'm just trying. I'm not fucking watching it. And, that, you know, and there's lots of like kind of like do a round table on their business. Creative shit. How do we solve it? Get rid of the McMahons. Mm. <laughs> yeah. How long is that? How long's that round table? Four minutes. <laughs> that is. There's uh, no, like in some ways it's just like you mentioned it there with with Randy Orton. And, you know, just kind of steal a thought from uh, flagship when I was listening to that and, and, and Joe Lanza, I thought the, the hell in the cell shortened careers. Randy Orton's hasn't been shortened at all. Mm-hmm. And that's sad. I feel, but then again, that would involve him fucking pulling his finger out of his ass and rather than playing fucking, I don't know. I'm told he's been good this year. top liner. <laughs> I'm told he's been good this year, but I mean, Randy Orton's version I'll of never see is it. not a version I want yeah. to see, to be honest. <laughs> if a tree falls in that forest, I'm not hearing it. And on top of it, I could give less of a shit. I think I think he probably has pulled his finger out of his ass, JP, like in a dressing room in front of some divas or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Probably no Randy Orton. <laughs> well, how, how you know, in order to what get himself ready for shitting in their bags, no doubt. Look, he's a, he's a reformed family man, lads. You watch, follow him on Instagram, post nice things about him and his and his lovely wife and his adopted kids. He's he's a grown up now. He's he's turned as no, you know with Orton, you know he's still got that like that streak in him. Like he'll yeah. start. A, he starts the fight on Twitter with James Storm this week. Like <laughs> somebody asked him a question, he, he, and he just replied, "Who's James Storm?" <laughs> J- James Storm replied, and "Was like, well, you do follow me, like, <laughs> yeah." 
<laughs> I'm the one who's beer drinking, creek swimming, Johnny Cash listening. Yes, the outro. Uh, speaking of which, <laughs> we did hear that music this weekend, didn't we? What a what a what a great little segue. Uh, yeah, you know, I think that's the uh, that's the reason someone was asking Orton about James Storm because I think people were looking forward to that dream match. Uh, but instead, he turned up on Impact and. I'll be honest, lads. I didn't think this show was very good. Like, I was all up for for, for having a, a, an impact loving. Like, I enjoy these shows. I enjoy these pay per views. Like, I'm quite happy to sit there on a Saturday night and watch a a big impact show on pay per view. Get to see the Rock on a on an impact wrestling show. You know, who ever thought you'd uh, you'd see that day in the world's tightest t shirts, which was fucking hilarious because he cut the promo on his lawn it looked like he literally cut it at the same time as he did his um joe biden endorsements like two yeah. important things for the rock there send the video to impact wrestling endorse joe biden in the presidential race um yeah that was, was, there, a cam- was there a cameo logo in the bottom corner <laughs> <laughs> he should have charged them yeah <laughs> nah, he's got to do got to do a favor for kenny they are they're, they're the great uh great little feuds in uh in wwe i'm always uh nostalgic for that one but that was the highlight of the show for me. I thought it was shit. Like I, I didn't, I didn't go over three stars for anything on this show. And I'm not saying that as an impact. I wanted to enjoy this. I think it was the layout, you know, more than anything. I think they they sucked the fun out of it. Like I was, you know, I was watching footy all day. Then I watched UFC. Then I watched the Borat film. And then I was like, great impacts on. The clocks are going back. I'll stay up. I'll watch it. And then they just killed me with like twelve multi man matches and. A cinematic match. I think it was like two hours before we got a, like an actual singles match in the ring uh, on this show. I thought the layout was awful, the production was awful, and just nothing stood out for me on this show. Uh, I don't know. You guys are the uh, the Impact Wrestling lovers at this point, so tell me where I'm wrong if either you went over over three for anything. But yeah, I just thought this was a really average show at a time when genuinely. You know, the eyes of the rest on well were a little bit on impact this weekend. Like, you know, Garrett Kidney does the Lord's work, like running their social media and, you know, pushing the fact that uh, Impact Plus was free over the weekend. You saw a lot of conversation, you know, the likes of UJP and our mate Eddie Sideburns, Alan Farrell did a podcast with, uh, with Eddie and Galazzo Dan this weekend. There was lots of, lots of TNA love going on over this weekend. So it felt like a good time to knock it out of the park. And I just think they, they whiffed um, on this one. I don't know. You agree or disagree, JP? Uh, it's what TNA does, mm. and I'm using the term TNA, and that's very deliberate. I, I'm not referring to Impact Wrestling mm. because I, I kind of think it's what they do. What I would say is I watched the main event separate to the rest of the show, right? Weirdly, and I kind of enjoyed that main event a little bit more, possibly because I like Rich Swan as a wrestler, and it felt like a kind of fresh face. And they worked really hard in the match, and there was lots of reasonably like. You know, it was very overblown. But that, of all things, actually, I did go over three stars. You're right. I tell a lie. I gave that 3.25. So there is that for your yeah. main event. Like, I mean, and but it wasn't necessarily blow away. But what I would say is that Rich Swan is capable of having better main event matches than a lot of other people on their roster mm. if they need it. And it's a fresh face mm. and it's something different. However, like when it came to large swathes of like just the entire undercard, fuck me. There was some awful stuff that EC three moose abomination in front of some sort of electro synth pop, uh, tune that was going on (laughs) and involved like EC three, just insanely cackling every once in a while. I was like, 
what the fuck is this? Mm. What am I watching exactly? Mm. And it was like, oh my God, the TNA version of cinematic wrestling, like arguably like at this point it's, it's up. It's certainly on parity with WWE, mm. like if not worse, like it really is. It, it, was it just like, I thought that was bad. Like the tag match, I just wanted a, t- a tag match to be nice. You could have had two tag matches, guess, you know, which might have been a bit more interesting, but no, they just made that like kind of too convoluted. Mm. The women's match was a disappointment because, and we were speaking about it before, before the show. I mean, like the Kylie Ray, Deonna Parazzo, I'd seen the build for that. Yeah. And it was the weekend. Build. And like you say, the, the build stuff they did was very, very simple. If sort of a tad, Oh, melodramatic. If, that, mm. if that's very much one of the words of this week, um, I kind of was looking forward to it, and I don't know what's happened. But in terms of the replacement, it just turned it into Sue Young and Diana Parazzo do kind of vaguely no rulesy bullshit stuff, really. Mm. Um, so yeah, like and the production snafus. I even I watched the pre-game as well mm. and that was a shit show your man hosting it didn't have a fucking clue so let madison rain do it she kind of hosts the tv she's comfortable doing it yeah but they they tried to impersonate what lots of other companies what the other bigger companies are doing and much like tna failing yeah that that, that rhino and Heath slater segment where they literally started the promo and then they oh, went come on yes. lads again from the top and they started again <laughs> live on a favor who like <laughs> TNA is going to TNA, like yeah. Oh. We didn't even get a we're live, pal. No, <laughs> no. And they probably weren't even live. It was probably a pre-tape, and it just slipped right in. Like yeah, I mean they should. I saw Rover make that point. Like no one cares whether these shows are live. There's no fans there. Just tape it. Do it. This do it in the afternoon. No one will know. Like and fix the shit before you put it on pay-per-view. Like I don't get it. Um, yeah, Gareth, can you save us here? Like we were just saying, like I, th- I think the, uh, like you're saying, I, 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 maybe I'm harsh on the fact that there was not an over three stars. The main event was good, and I've seen people go as, you know, as high as four on Grapple. The average is three point seven eight for that. So people did enjoy Edit Young and Rich one. I enjoyed the build to that one. I thought all the Rich one three point seven five on that. There, there, yeah, and you know, Rich one, the video package stuff with him and his story was great. Eric Young has been very good as the top heel in this company. I think that was a positive. So maybe, you know, I don't want to do the whole show down, but it was just everything we had to sit through to get there, I think was the uh, the issue for me. Yeah. And I mean, like, I th- you know, I think that main event clearly was the thing that like stood out on the show from an actual, you know, this is genuinely good standpoint. I mean, it's, it's had a good build over over a couple of months now. And then, you know, I think it was, uh, you know, I think the way the match was worked, I thought Rich Swan was excellent in it. I thought, you know, where he's, you know, when he had like his hope spots and his comeback and things like that, there was like real fire there and just some like great visuals there when he was like sp- sort of spitting that blood up and things like that as well. You know, it was it was it was rank as hell, like kind of thing. But to me, it made it look like God, he's been in a fight here, kind of thing, and he's he's you know he's he's going for it all here, sort of thing. And like the Phoenix splash that he at the end was absolutely like beautiful it was like picture perfect kind of thing it was literally you couldn't you couldn't you know see a better one i mean i went 3.75 on that you know as a whole call it quite clearly the match of the night but i think unfortunately for me i mean there were were matches that i gave three star or three star plus two because i did enjoy them to that 
sort of, you know, a certain level kind of thing. But, you know, I think the things that I enjoyed most were just probably where I was laughing at stuff, to be honest, which is not what you want from a, yeah. not what you want from a pay-per-view at the, at the end of the day. I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't know what you said there. I'd, I'd obviously just popped away from, for a second, uh, little, uh, little, uh, away the magic the here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, little the there, but I was trying to like <laughs> recap you before, before I threw to JP, but I think I gave yeah, the game yeah. away. Oh, the, the, nice. the audience doesn't need now the sausages, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think you um I think you know how much I enjoy, would have enjoyed EC3 versus Moose kind of like based on probably my you know my WWE um, thing before but at <laughs> least I got a laugh out of this one kind of thing to laugh at it kind of thing just bit like when Moose turned like to me Moose just like walked into the crazy house and there was a load of goths there in the black hoodies kind of thing like that's what I felt like I was at. Hey, well. I was I was looking around to like buy a bottle of Wicked for a pound or something like that <laughs> <laughs> when, when he walked in there and like, I was I was laughing at that and it was like you know it was weird because like it was sort of they were trying to present it as a cinematic match but it wasn't really it was just them in a in a in a warehouse just just having a match kind of thing but there was just some like pound shop nine inch nails music in the background kind of thing <laughs> yes yeah. it comes like, across as like a poser ec3 as well doesn't he looks like that lad who's like he's just he's going through a phase of like 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 a metal bands and has decided to be a bit goth like like the actual ec3 character the best version of that is him being like you know a posh like five percent of stuff this whole stuff what he's trying to be like a, an angry young man who's rebelling against the system and trying to put his past behind him he just does come across it's, triad like one of those triad gods yeah he's a, he's a posh lad who's gone to university and he's like trying to present himself as been something a bit different when he gets to university or something like that that's what he like he totally comes across to me as but like it was you know these girls who were like straight a star students kind of thing from some posh little village and then they go to university and suddenly they've got blue hair and kind of you know <laughs> i'm alternative <laughs> <laughs> that's you know that's that's the way he comes across to me but i think it was like one of them things where like i was laughing at it and it, it was you know it was enjoyable to a certain level at the end of it i was thinking actually this is one of those things where i'd much rather have watched them in that setting than the idea of watching ec3 and moose go out and actually have like a match in a ring with a crowd or no crowd kind of thing in this instance kind of thing so it was probably actually an improvement what the alternative would have been for those but um but I, I didn't mind that. I'll be honest, I didn't mind the Ken Shamrock, Eddie Edwards stuff. Like, I think when I was on here after the Slammiversary, you know, I said that whole, like, Ken Shamrock Irishman gig, and he looked a bit like kind of <laughs> super slow motion, and he, mm. you know, he's wandering around the ring looking a bit lost and things. Whereas here, I think the way they worked the match, so it was like... It was a bit more like MMA style kind of thing, and it was much more close, and there was there was less motion in the match and things, and it was Ken just, like, laying in some, like... Yeah, submissions and a lot of ground and pound and things like that that was quite close and things like that I sort of like bought into it a bit more and it looked you know it looked a bit more realistic and things and you know I quite um I quite, I quite enjoyed that, that that side of it you know I think I went three star on that one really like maybe it was probably going to touch too long but 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 I quite enjoyed that um but the the main thing for me was that Diona Parazzo Sue Young and mm. I was really really excited to see um I was really excited to see the Kylie Ray, the uh, John Prato match. You know, it has had a, a good, you know, good build. I like Kylie Ray as a wrestler. You know, I've been on here talking about how much I've enjoyed the John Prato matches with 
um, Jordan Grace that has been in the in the last few months in Impact as well, and you know, so it really sort of it was something that was standing out, and it was it was just a big disappointment to well, to be honest, it was a big disappointment to me when. I came to put like the matches on Grapple the following morning because I didn't watch it live, and I suddenly just saw like the matches being Parato against Sue Young, and I just was like, "What the fuck?" kind of thing, and I had to do like a big double check on a few sites and things like that, making just to make sure it wasn't some error before I put it on the site, and then so that kind of put me on a bit of a downer going into it. And but I think I talked about this a few months ago was how well how good those the Parato Grace matches were. And, and now you're in this weird scenario where Sue Young's got the belt. Jonna Parazzo has been really good, and she's now randomly lost the belt to Sue Young, who shouldn't have been in the match at all. Jordan Grace has been shifted out of the women's division completely, and she's now taken on men kind of thing. And it's it's almost like they had this little kind of pocket of gold there where you had the opportunity for this Parazzo, Grace, Kylie Ray feud kind of thing going on down the line, putting on good like women's matches that were intriguing. And that's... You know, what do you say? TNA is going to TNA kind of thing. Yeah. That's all gone out of the window, kind of thing. This, I was quite excited for the next six months of stuff mm-hmm. in the in the uh, knockouts division there, but like it's it's all gone now. <laughs> like, they do that. They go on the meds for two weeks. We think things are fine, and they're straight off the meds at the first available opportunity, aren't they? Mm-hmm. They just relapse, and they relapse every fucking time to the point where you're just like, oh, here we go again. It's like on their very first show, um, they did a gauntlet match as their main event. And it feels like every time we watch a show, there's a gauntlet match. And there's going to be some sort of X-Division multi-man match. Is that title ever defended in a one-on-one match? (laughs) I I, I mean, I don't watch Impact on a weekly basis, so I don't know. But it's, it's all of these things where you think you do have these somewhat talented wrestlers i mean ace austin is someone you should clearly be getting behind us mm. in the future and he's just lost in a multi-man tag mm. and it's it's like you say Ben, like the the kind of eyes of the rest there was this little space for them to be able to kind of operate because it's not about like having the large fan attendance stuff as much anymore like mm. you don't have to worry about that visual aspect of it and they're able to create something in theory that production-wide looks quite good but they'll fuck that up as well. Yeah. Um, and they and it's it, it's just always these these things that by the end of it you come out going, you could have done well here, but you've kind of fucked it up. And a lot of the times it's pretty much self-imposed. Yeah. It yeah. always feels like it, it, it. You know, they've got to hand the book over to a couple of fucking fifteen-year-old lads. Well, I mean, I mean, it's interesting because you say there about like the X Division and it being defended one on one, and I think it was like Slammiversary where Chris Bay won it from Willie Mack. Maybe, oh, that, yeah. maybe that was a one on one. I was again, I was really excited about Chris Bay coming out of that. Is someone I hadn't seen a ton of great talent kind of thing. Looks like yeah, he's somebody who you can build a build a division around, and you know, is someone a bit different kind of thing that you you know that you're not seeing everywhere. And then within a month within probably two episodes of TV, like lost it to Rohit Raju. And I don't mind Raju as a character kind of thing. I think his character mm. is actually like quite good, but it's like, hang about, like take a break, give, give, like just leave a belt on somebody for longer than a month or leave a belt on somebody for longer than two months or something like that. And let's actually like build towards something here. Cause 
again, like I said to you after that slam anniversary, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a go. I'm gonna watch Impact like mm. week in, week out now for a bit and just kind of give them a go, you know, let them know. And like now within a matter of months, I feel like somebody's just fucking blown a shotgun in the middle of the booking sheet or something like that. And it's here we go, back to square one. And I mean, some of it like oh, I don't probably know. hired Russo back. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, that's the other fatal addiction with that company, isn't it? I mean, I'm just I'm just looking at some notes here, and like, obviously, apart from the you know the production like snafus kind of thing that you've mentioned there, there's just like little things there, like Sue Young. Like, I just became <laughs> this is ridiculous, but I became obsessed at points in that match with with Sue Young and the presentation of her character, and all I could look at was a uh, like Adidas wrestling boots that she had on underneath her kick pads, and I was thinking like, this is the like undead bride. This is this person who's got this you know this. <laughs> this smelly wedding glove kind of thing that she's like, you know, knocking people out with. She's all made up like this. She's some like phantom or whatever kind of character. And of course she's nipping down to sports direct to get her fucking uh, 10 quid wrestling boots kind of thing to just put under her kick pads. And you're like, should have worn some umbros. I feel like umbro would be <laughs> a, a better, a better choice for that. I thought that character had gone away as well. They were doing yeah. this whole Susie thing. Mm. No, that's just Russo, mate. let's be honest there's a big russo shaped fucking figure looming over this kind of bullshit (laughs) but yeah yeah. i mean like but yeah attention to detail it is so easy it's such an easy thing to do just like little nuance like not nuanced but just small little details like that kind of thing and just like it can make or break a character and things sometimes and i just Mm -hmm. and, and again just a bit, you know, the the attention to detail here, and from a production standpoint, and things like that, from where some of the some of the sets and some of the backstage settings and things, they actually look more professional and good, like better than I would expect of Impact at this stage where they're at now, and where they haven't got these millions behind them and things like that. But then, but then they go and do the the whole like let's do that again kind of thing live on air and stuff, and you're just like, oh Jesus, yeah, that's it. And you've got like the commentators like ask asking for like feedback from the producers and stuff and arguing with people on headsets, uh, saying that we should all just be thankful because when Matt Stryker appears on the pre-show, I was terrified that they were going to pull an impact and put him in the booth for three hours. I'll take I'll take Josh Matthews shouting at production people over him <laughs> any day. Well, that is the last note on my thing here is Josh Matthews is shit. Like fucking. Oh, he's not he good. Bad. Don't get me wrong. He is a terrible, terrible commentator. Oh. Still better than Matt Stryker, though. I know that's not high praise, but <laughs> yeah. like, I'll still take him. Um, Don Callis is great. Uh, if, if anything, Don Callis is wasted on impact, isn't he? I'd love to see him like in yeah. the AW booth or something, or still on New Japan. Uh, yeah, it's rough. I I, I can think of top some of those Don um, so the, some of those Don Callis calls mm. that he would do on um, New Japan particularly around like Kenny Omega matches, mm. things that felt like kind of iconic moments at the point when, in time when you're watching them. Yeah, and here he's completely wasted. This yeah. time they're not shilling pens, which is I think they did on a <laughs> Bound for Glory maybe last year. Remember that? It, One of those pay-per-views they were shilling a load of fucking stationery. It, it makes and the Sue Young stuff, they've gone from Diona Perazzo, just a serious point, they've gone from Diona Perazzo as a serious figure to this undead realm stuff. Which is subpar WWE. 
Donna Prato looked like a million bucks the way she'd been booked so far. She looked like she was she 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 was going to be this top tier, like unbeatable for quite a long time, like um, like character. You know, she's you know real head of the division stuff, putting on good matches with people, and then like now she's got Kimberly aligned to her and she's lost to Sue Young, and you're like, yeah. who the fuck decided that? Jesus Christ! Yeah, probably. <laughs> Probably uh, <laughs> Don Carlos, to be honest. <laughs> we can blame him too. Uh, when you said Don Carlos before, I thought you were about to say Don West before, JP. Uh, I like, nearly did. That that's was that's a proper commentary duo. Like I, in like the, oh. this like uh, nostalgia period for Impact. Like I went on the, their YouTube this week to watch uh, Angle versus Joe. I watched the the first two Angle and Joe matches back to back. Typical Impact though. You go to youtubecom Wrestling. And you watch Angle versus Joe, and it's just got Global Force Wrestling branding like all over the video. Like it stops to do a little spinny thing about the Global Force Network. Uh, probably need to sort that out, lads. I think that's uh, sure that there's many reasons why that's probably a bad idea at this point. But it reminded me how good Don West and, uh, and Mike Tanay were. They were just like that. I know, I know, like I feel like the substance wasn't always there, but the enthusiasm, like, and just how, like, how mentally go when something was good. And they did ele- when when things were good. They elevated that product like that. Watch that first um, that angle, Joe. Uh, the initial angle when uh, when Kerr came out and uh, made his debut and impact. You know, he comes up from the stage with the American flag. Crowd are going nuts. He- him and Joe that get the, like the headbutt spots. Um, I'd forgotten that uh, the other thing you get in that angle is Jeff Jarrett appears and steals the title belt from Joe because <laughs> of course he was moment in history and Jeff Jarrett's got to be there hasn't he um, but I love that angle so much one of the best angles like in re- like honestly like one of probably the best thing Impact ever did like I think that angle I know the match was very good too I, I still look at it going I wish Joe went over uh, but I get it angle was debuting and he puts Joe over in the second match but there's Russo shenanigans with a chair and it's like oh here we go again they're gonna TNA are gonna TNA uh, but I had a fun little trip down memory lane watching that stuff and yeah it was uh, it was fun to see uh, our Jeff pop up as well yeah, because like this weekend, obviously they did that. Impact Plus was free, wasn't it, for the weekend for yeah. ba- for Bound for Glory? And I kind of made a little list that I intended to go back and watch, like on on there. And the Angle Joe stuff was on there, and like just time got the better of me. And the only thing I ended up watching this weekend was the um, the Styles Joe Daniels match from from Unbreakable did in two thousand and five. Um, uh, I loved it. It was really like that was the like. I think I'd had a that's that's the longest break I've ever had from wrestling. It was about like two and a half years or something like that, and that was the match that just drew drew me back in. Like to to watching and and just watching it again, like ah, oh, just the crowd was just as hot as fuck. It was just like mm. you know the the crowd go mad. It was just a hundred mile an hour. It was you know there wasn't somebody like lying outside the ring on the floor for fucking seven minutes, you know, kind of thing. There was you know they were in and out like dead rapid and things. You know there was just some hard hitting. It was like what in my mem like I haven't watched that. I bet I haven't watched that match for ten years, like easily kind of thing. And like in my mind it was dead flippy and things like that. And there's lots of dives and things, but it was hard hitting as fuck there was some mm-hmm. like big strikes and big you know huge knees and kicks and suplexes and things going in it and like uh like i i, I really really enjoyed it and like if if um i don't know it kind of like 
it can't, I was a bit gutted really that I kind of got to the end of the weekend. I didn't get a chance to catch up on more. But if, like you're saying there, if that's on, if that's on their YouTube channel and stuff, mm-hmm. Benno, I think I'll, I think I'll be paying a little trip down memory lane for the uh, the Angle Joe stuff. I think this week definitely worthwhile. There is so much stuff they've given away on that YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. T- I saw that not long ago because I did the um, oh, what was it, the best of the X division with oh. um, with Davy Portman and Braden Harrington. So, and that was. Like, yeah, so having watched that very recently, like, I think I went five stars on it again. It's like, it was clearly the best match that company has ever had. Um, There isn't anything that kind of comes close to it on that level. And the fact that he was given the main event for that show. Mm. Yeah, that like, I I, I was never, like, on that match, I was, like, so heavy into my ring of honor i refuse to give an impact match of five stars but i've watched it back recently and yeah like i mean if stealing anything, your talent they were well they? they were mate they were taking our jobs and taking food off our table <laughs> um, there's actually a tie in there because i'm doing davy and Braden's show coming up and we're doing um and i pitched two ideas to them doing um samoa joe's roh title run and doing the summer of punk from when uh when cm punk left uh, roh at the end so we're doing uh we're gonna do uh, joe's title reign first but we will do the summer of punk at some point but like yeah, that that's the other big conversation I've seen this week. Like that 2005 Samoa Joe had, he had, he had that three way. He had the Kenta Kabashi match. He had the Necro Butcher match. Like he just finished the the the, the best of three uh, CM Punk series as well. Like honestly, best wrestler in the world at that point. I would absolutely stand by that. Mm. Um, and yeah, the show I'm doing with Braden Davey will be covering that. We're, we're only got we're doing his title run, so it kind of ends the uh, the tail end of 2004, but. Yeah, there's a there's a nice little plug there. So yeah, good segue. It isn't the story that he never got bookings in Japan because he was he worked zero one. Yeah, he had the zero one stink on him, as uh, what Alan Farrell uh, <laughs> well, said in cla- his on him. Yeah, the, the classic zero one stink that's <laughs> ruined many a career, isn't well, it? Yeah, it's a real shame. You know, I, I think the thing is, well, I think like he got laughed at a little bit as well because he kind of went over to Japan and I think they thought he was like a tribute act. He was doing a lot of like the famous Japanese wrestlers spots. Um, but I think he could have got past that. Like he was in the New Japan Dojo as well. Like that was that's a run I wish happened because like you look at Samoa Joe and I say that I thought he was the best wrestler in the world in two thousand and five into two thousand and six. Then what did he do for ten years after that? Really, um, he just dotted the round impact, didn't he? Just doing whatever shit they made him do. Draw a dick on your face, yeah, sound. Wear a shirt, okay, yeah, sound. Like, he was just, like, being a Wu-Tang Clan tribute act, yeah, sound. He just did whatever they told him to and took his paycheck, didn't he? Like, I, I really hate those, like, those 10 years of, of where Joe kind of... I, I know it'll be sacrilege for the UJP, but wasted his, uh, his time and impact. Uh, yeah. I had a bad vibe the way they burnt through the angle feud so quickly. Mm. Like, because like, that first one was always the highest buy right they ever did. Mm-hmm. It was like 65,000 buys, which is much. But for them, was pretty incredible. And like you say, the build, and that was the stuff that I was watching on Impact mm-hmm. um, Plus over over the weekend when I was getting a chance to. It was more that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd seen a load of X Division stuff not that long before. But yeah, the way they burnt through it so quickly, and then they just appeared to have no, have no ideas. They just sort of rematched them, I think. It was like kind of month after month after month. And then it kind of lost its fire. Then really when Joe beats him cleanly, is it locked down? Mm. I want to say it is. Mm. And then he beats him cleanly. Where, where Angle turns up dressed as an MMA fighter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And not in the cool uh, way that but, Jeff Jarrett did. He was never as good as MMA no, Jeff. <laughs> exactly. It was more like Dowson in the sense that he was bald. 
and he had kind of quite colourful shorts. Maybe I'm misremembering that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, there we go. So yeah, check out some classic impact, everyone. Uh, hey, Gary, can we get it on grapple at some point? So I've had some some uh, some requests on that this week. Mm-hmm. One day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's coming. I was uh, if again if I'd had a bit more time on my hands uh, this weekend, whatever I watched, I was going to put on grapple. Fair. So <laughs> so there you go. So grapple users have been hindered by my. Uh, my lack of hours this weekend, but yeah, I'll probably put Unbreakable on this this week just purely so I can get my rating in for that one. I'm I'm currently teetering between the four point seven five and five in my head, but we'll uh, we'll we'll see what I go with. It definitely stands. Are you putting under the impact banner, or are you going to create a new promotion that's TNA? <laughs> well, you see, see, this is the uh, this is the logistical nightmares I get myself into when I uh, set these things up. Like it's only that I've seen that uh, WXW uh, where they're running that tournament, and it's like one match a day that's oh. like going under different dates and it's like i don't know it's uh it's it's fucked with my uh, i think it's going to fuck with my database system anyway kind of thing so uh so yeah don't expect that to be smooth any uh any wxw watching grapple users out there that'll be being hamilton then yeah pretty much <laughs> that's it yeah i was gonna say if you think brit res is dead poof, that lineup for that grand Prix, yeah the the whole and the daily release of matches idea just seems mm, yeah Got to try something, um, but uh, anyway, should we uh, should we move on? We have got to talk uh, some uh, some AW before we go. Uh, unfortunately, AW will be getting a short shrift on the, this show for the uh, the last little while. Because to be honest, probably the best show I watched this week was AW. Um, like their TV show, like this last week was just you've heard lots of praise, and I'm going to echo it. That first hour was absolutely incredible. Like I logged on. The, the morning, like I was recording with Will that night and I managed to tune in just about for the main event at the end of the Dynamite by the time we were done. We didn't go four and a half hours, but we went long enough um, and I managed to only see the main event. And before I went to sleep, I literally sat there and watched the first hour, like as good a first hour of TV as I've ever seen. Like from the Wardlow Jungle Boy match, where I thought it was a brilliant, like big man, little man match. Great TV match. I think I went as high as three point seven five on Grapple for that. Uh, maybe a, maybe a bit high in hindsight. Maybe a three and a half would be more reasonable. But I really enjoyed that thing. Uh, you had that on the show. Uh, we can talk about Kenny Omega in a second. Like that, I thought the presentation of him, with some caveats, was was really great uh, in doing that squash match. You know, from a match point of view, you had Phoenix and Pentagon out there doing just their their silly indie match. Where it really, I mean, we talk about spot matches. Their matches are just spots, but they're so fucking great. Those spots that I can forgive the uh, the lack of transitions, and we got you know three killer promos as well to go with it in that first hour, like. Yeah, for me is you know we can talk. I think the the headline is you know what happened in the second hour with Jericho and MJF, but I feel like uh, some lovers deserve for that first hour because I just thought that was an an absolutely uh, incredible uh, first hour of TV, and yeah, I don't think there was uh, there was any fat um, in that first hour, Gareth. Yeah, no, I like absolutely agree. I think that the first hour, I just knocked out of the park, and like one of the things I just loved there as well was was you know seeing that tournament start and that first match been Wardlow against Jungle Boy and mm-hmm. it'd been a great match but again it just been that kind of like demonstration again of the fresh new talents kind of getting a getting a good stage you know like starting a you know they're starting the show with a with a match between two people who if again you're somebody who's relatively new to AW you know you've maybe never seen these guys before kind of thing and it's you know it's it it's something that you know is kind of kind of going to catch your eye like as you're flicking through the channels and then seeing them being able to sort of deliver on in in the way that they did i thought that was excellent i think especially the 
I just loved the presentation of of, of Wardlow, and you just you, you know you just you, you look at him, and I'm I'm so intrigued to see how well he can talk because I don't think I've seen him talk particularly because I'm just looking at him thinking if he can talk, like he can go in the ring, he's got a great look, he's got a natural charisma about him just with you know when he is one of these people when he's like looking down the camera kind of thing you just sort of drawn into him and things like that i think the way he was presented here where when stuff happened to him you know he was getting like a big kick out at one and things like that and you know they just presenting him in like just the right way as well and you know you really feel like god they've got a star and they're making here and, and especially where you know you you have got a lot of like smaller indie looking wrestlers who you know definitely work this kind of like fast fast paced sort of like high flying style just to see wardlow as somebody who you know to your casual wrestling fan if they see like some big guy who's charismatic who can go in the ring who like looks credibly like tough and things like that as well like Oh, further down the line, I just can't wait to see what they do with this guy because I, I, I absolutely loved that opener. I think it was booked to perfection and, you know, like, loved it. What do you give it on, Graham? Um, You know, I gave it, like, 3.25, which on the surface of things, you might think, like, oh, that's a relatively, like, low score. I think you're almost, like, in these realms these days of where something's got to be, like, four or above or something for it to be considered to be a a good match. But that's two guys starting off a programme going 10 minutes on TV kind of thing. Mm. 3.25 is a great rating for me kind of thing for a a TV match. I mean, I know you're saying you went as high as 3.75. Probably a bit You're saying you maybe would have pulled it back to to three and a half. But, you know, when when you get into the realm, of talking 0.25 differences is it really a difference is it a massive you know that big a difference i think i think the idea that you've just got these two you know we're still only a year into seeing jungle boy on tv wardlow hasn't had that many matches and you know they're they're putting on better matches there than people have had on wwe pay-per-views this weekend and things like that in a in a 10 minute opening match to a tv show it's fucking great stuff kind of thing and you know definitely i definitely look forward to seeing more of that yeah, great first hours, and JP, I know you were a big fan of it as well. Like I, I, I rate. Anyway, I say I gave that three point seven five. I give Penta Phoenix three and a half, but you know, in a very different way. That was just as good a match as well. And you had those, those Kingston and Moxley promos on on the, the first hour of the show. Like yeah, Fadeaway was like this every week. I'd have nothing to complain about. It was. It was bang, bang, bang for that first hour. Everything kind of working because you went from that that opener, which was a really fun in some ways that like the job of it is to get you into the show and that's what it did it got me into the show because there's been some weeks recently watching aw where if it's not quite clicking in that first sort of 10 15 minutes i realized this might be a bit of a struggle Hmm. for me to get through get through it but here it was like okay and it went straight on from that over to the kind of eddie kingston promo which the idea of eddie kingston headlining a pay-per-view against um dean ambrose is <laughs> fucking wild yeah. in and of itself but there you go it's 2020 I love it. and i like the idea of doing it because it seems like their pay-per-views have kind of there's a baseline limit mm. for people who are fans of the show and therefore i think and they've done this with moxley where they've put him in they've avoided him having in the big pay-per-view matches so far against what might be the established traditional kind of draw so Brody Lee got a lot out of that main event, I think, at Double or Nothing. I think MJF got a lot out of out of um, the Moxley match as well. 
and it's going to be the same thing here with Eddie Kingston, where he's being really established as a kind of player, whilst also leading to the fact that he's going to be probably getting a dark penta, penta is what we're going to get out of this, aren't we? We're going to get the kind of lucha underground version of penta without the supernatural bullshit. I hope so. And I hope so. Give me I them think promos somebody again. Somebody has spoken to them about it. And Phoenix can be your authentic lucha star. Like, it's not fucking rocket science for an introduction of that. Like, something different from everybody else. And even though I was scared for him when he did that Hurricanrana and clearly landed on his head, yeah. and the camera cut over then to Penta, and that was like, oh, God, that was bad. Yeah. I remember in the moment. And and we, we've seen them wrestle each other live as well. I'm trying to think. Um which which of the shows we saw them wrestle at? I'm sure we saw one. Might have been a Fight Club Pro show, probably. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like that. But it was like for you know for two people who hadn't been really presented properly mm. on the show outside of a tag team. And when they were initially signed, it was like, yeah, I know you're doing Lucha Brothers because you want them and the Young Bucks as your initial starting few. But really, the money with these guys is them as singles wrestlers. Yeah. They are the most underutilized people on this roster. Like there is so much they, money in them. Like, like that you said, that Penta heel run, like that, that Lucha Underground run. No one saw it, and it was so fucking great. Like and just breaking arms and cutting angry promos that they had to mm. subtitle. Like it's not a like you said, it's not a hard like uh, thing to put together, is it? Um, no, impact. If I, anything, I, Impact did a better job with these two, and they spent a lot yeah. of time with them teaming. But I don't know. I feel like. It does feel like no, we shouldn't criticize too much. It feels like AEW is seeing what they've got, but you know, them in in this tag team role with like I love Eddie Kingston, but Eddie Kingston talking for them as well. They do kind of seem like kids in his faction right now. I'd love for this match to be the start of them breaking out more. Oh yeah, I, I, I think this is one of those where we just you know we have to be patient. You look at it and you think the comp like Dynamite's a year old kind of thing, and you know they've they're establishing some of this talent, and not everybody can have been pushed to the fore immediately. And there's definitely like mileage in in um, Phoenix and Pentagon as well, and obviously they they're clearly starting to put the seeds in place for something to happen with those two going into to year two. And you know there's a lot of you know I think you can have a lot of confidence that it's going to be good stuff kind of thing. Not confident because of a the way AEW will probably book them knowing them, but obviously confidence in them too and their ability to work to eat together and what they can both do from a character point of view and an in-ring point of view as well. And again, it's going to be one of those things that really just like probably pushes up the card and they're going to get so much more prominence out of it as well. But, you know, probably if we sit here in 12 months' time, we're going to be talking very differently, I would guess, kind of thing about, about those two guys. Well, it was one of the things that you raised several months ago was who is, like we were speaking about Kenny Omega, which is a point that I really want to raise like quite quite heavily about because that was in some ways for me like the thing I enjoyed most in the first hour in a really bizarre way. Yeah. But um, like you mentioned about who's going to have the five-star matches and we were saying at the time, it was like, well, Phoenix and Penta in and of themselves can have kind of great matches with them and they're doing it like this week. They're going to have Penta versus, um, versus Kenny Omega and really looking forward to it. But at the same time, the way... The thing that I'm excited, and maybe this is there's a kind of tie-in with how Roman Reigns is presented, but this presentation of Kenny Omega and the way that match was, because I remember it like when he had the really long intro, and I was like, all right, he's getting very, very arrogant here, but I, I'm not looking forward to just a what eight-minute sunny kiss match. It doesn't really need to exist. Nope. 
fucking V-trigger, one-winged angel, out of it, pissed off look on his face. And I think, like, I don't know if they're going to go with, like, the full-blown cleaner where he'll have the T-shirt on when he doesn't give a shit as well, because I think that would be a nice touch. But I kind of want to see, like, this version of either I'm just going to crush crush them really, really quickly or I'm having a great match. And this kind of, that's that's how he kind of manages himself. But it was the first time where I felt I'd seen something involving Kenny Omega, almost like from a kind of angle perspective outside of the initial Moxley double or nothing angle where I was like, yes, good. It's leading to this. And I remember thinking of Benno fantasy booking T, um, TEW. Oh, yeah, you want Kenny the cleaner because that's a money drawing angle. That's a money drawing character, mm. not this other version of Kenny Omega. And I imagine him and Hangman Page because that has to be the final. Um, like he's going to have, I can see with them having an absolutely fucking belting match. And I pray to God that they do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just love the foot there where we talk about like, I don't know, impact and other elements and things like that of the, the production of certain things. But I just think the way that, like you say, that whole entrance there kind of thing, you know, the, the ridiculousness of how long it was, you know, PWIs, Wrestling Observers, Dave Meltzer's first seven-star march or whatever kind of thing, that whole... You wrestled in act. North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the, the cleaner dancers there with the brushes and all that kind of thing, and then like for, like just ridiculous, over-the-top kind of, re, you know, lengthy, come out of a, you know squash match and then that that fucking weird look on his face kind of thing when he did the you know when he did the pin and stuff you're just like oh i'm just bored i'm just like sold into this kind of thing and just like really intrigued with the with 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 where it's going and god yeah i'm already hyped for that final yeah i mean i i'm wary of kenny like i'm wary of giving him too much power (coughs) excuse me let me do that again yeah it's been a long recording hang on (laughs) the old covid's back i see Tier yeah, three for a reason. <laughs> um, yeah, and I've been wary of. I'm wary of Kenny, like, uh, and his input in like anything to do with creatively using Kenny Omega in the show. I think we categorically found out that when he's got no power and New Japan were just were, were booking him, I feel like he was always stronger than when you could see his influence in what he was doing um, from a creative point of view. I think that's been borne out with him and the books, to be honest, and AEW. I think both of their creatives have been largely disappointing. Uh, maybe, you know, the handman stuff aside, depending on where that leads, because, you know, we, we still don't really know. And I am a li- I was a little bit worried, you know, when he came out and it was like, you know, the, you know, the girls coming out with the brooms, because the brooms, because he's a cleaner. And, you know, like I say, I know it was funny, like, the, you know, the, the announcer and stuff. It's like, but I worry with Kenny that he will always lean into the wink-wink, nudge-nudge stuff. And it's like, I can't, what I want is serious heel Kenny. But then I had to watch, like, to kind of take a step back watching this and go, yeah, but the thing is, yeah, he knows all the criticism that he gets. He knows there's people like me foaming at the mouth every time he turns up with a fucking broom. And he, he turns up like he's having he's having his night off and he's doing his wink to the camera stuff. And he's working us now. Like, he's trolling us. It's a, it's a work within a work. Um, and he's doing it for heat. It's not like he doesn't know, you know, uh, how he comes across and how near he comes across. That is, that is I think, the, uh, the aim here. So, you know, I, I should probably eat some crow a little bit on that and yeah and I, I love I love the match like I, I hope that was the like 
The only my only uh, negative here is like, like I would have loved your face, Gareth, if this had been uh, Joey Janela in the spot as well. I think that would have been <laughs> cathartic for you for Joey Janela yeah. to get knocked out in in ten seconds and uh and pinned <laughs> by Kenny Omega and instead poor Sonny Kiss had to do. He was great in the role. Like Sonny Kiss came across really sympathetic and like I loved like the post match, like just looking at Kenny like I don't trust you kind of thing. Um, but yeah, Joey Janela would have made it even better. Uh, but it was it was a great bit of business and. You know, I'd still be wary of, you know, Kenny leaning too much into the BTE comedy side of things. But, you know, based on this evidence or on this match, I think maybe earned a little bit of trust going forward. And yeah, I think that uh, what they're going to do with this tournament, obviously, you know, Phoenix is, is legitimately injured off that run, a spot we mentioned earlier. Now it's Pentagon going, going forward for this week's show. The predictable thing is it's going to be Kenny and Hangman, but that's fine. You know, predictable is good, um, and yep. that that'll be it. That'll be the match of the show um, on this pay per view. So, you know, I'm hyped for that too. Um, somehow though, we've uh, we managed to talk down about this longer and not and not talk the uh, <laughs> yeah. I actually don't. I felt it felt like one of these like moments, this MJF Jericho thing, where like everyone's got to have a take, uh, and I don't know if I've got that that big a take on it. Like I. I, I want, bear, in, bear in mind, I didn't watch this this segment live. I watched it the morning after after I'd seen all the discourse. And you know, I was on this podcast. I did. I didn't enjoy. You know, when they did like the uh, the angle where they were outside the venue, MJF and Jericho, and like the camera coincidentally followed them both, and then they coincidentally both said the same thing, like that kind of stuff where you've got to do like loops in your head and ju- do somersaults to work out like in kayfabe how exactly did this work? I don't love. And you do have to kind of do like somersaults a little bit to kind of go, well, did they plan to do a song and dance number? Like, and then therefore, did they plan to have an argument? Or was the argument legitimate over the stake? And then they did the planned dance number? I don't know. Like, I have, I have a little bit of an issue with that, but not as much as maybe I did with, with some of their previous segments. And to be honest, I thought it was fine. I thought it was well done. I thought it was funny. I laughed at certain points. Jericho's singing is terrible, but we already knew that. And I think if anything, that added to the segment because, you know, that that's the kind of character he is at this point. The fact that MJF showed him up in the uh, in the singing side of things works. And I felt like it had a point. I feel, I feel like I've heard that thrown around that it was like a pointless segment. But I think if anything, the point of this segment was to, to get over the fact that, you know, they're friends now. And then next week, presumably when they do this uh this uh inner circle making a decision on whether mjf joins or not town hall thing one or the other's gonna turn um and it was set up for that got them a bit of talk like i say i didn't i'm not in love with it it's not like you know i'm not a, not like steph i'm not a, i'm not a big glee fan i'm not a big fan of uh of singing dance numbers uh in me wrestling but i didn't strongly hate it either i just thought it was fine and yeah, I thought like some of the discourse on both ends went a uh, went a bit too far to the extremes. Uh, I don't know where were you on this one, Gareth? Yeah, I just like I really enjoyed it. It was just to, like to me, it was again. I I didn't watch it live, but I, I, when I watched it, I hadn't seen any of like I just avoid Twitter kind of thing as much as possible to avoid spoilers and stuff when I, I'm, I'm rewatching it, and so I knew nothing about it. And then I was just like laughing my head off while I watched it. I just was. I don't know. It's it's. I, I don't know. You think like sometimes you might listen to me on here and he, hear me talk about like from a match point of view, and I love seriousness and I love aggression and things like that in my wrestling. But equally, I love fucking ridiculousness and things in wrestling. I love humor in wrestling. I love it when it's presented, when it's done really well and things like that. And I, I thought this was just presented absolutely perfectly. You know, it was 
it's it's not that big a deal kind of thing almost to me. It was just like a fun little. It, I felt like I was watching Family Guy or something like that. Was the way it felt to yeah, me. It was where very was Family like Guy. Little, yeah. little kind of musical interlude and just the faces Jericho was pulling and just like you know, like you say, the ridiculous singing and just how like well choreographed and things in certain instances it was and stuff like that. It just it was just a good bit of like ridiculous fun that to me randomly felt entirely in character for Chris Jericho and MJF kind of thing. And I think that's one of the one of the point that that it wasn't like it wasn't like you suddenly had like Roman Reigns doing something like this or something like that. It was perfectly feasible that Chris Jericho and MJF could find themselves in this scenario. And I think that kind of made it work for me and made it, you know, and like when I then went on Twitter and things, I saw a lot of people just describing it as, oh, if this was WWE, like you know, you'd be just slagging it off as shit and stuff like but that. It would it's just because it's AEW, but it would be shit. That is yeah. the thing. Like they yeah. wouldn't have produced it as well. It wouldn't have been the humor would have been so overly written. It would have been so over choreographed, too over choreographed. It would have been refilmed five hundred times to fit the imperfections or the perfections of some 90-year-old man or 8-year-old man or however old he is these days, that brain in a jar that sits in Titan Towers. But, um, <laughs> you know, I just overall it was just, it was just, I was like, it, 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 cracked, it cracked me up. And again, I just, to see the level of argument and things that it caused on Twitter and totally took away from that first hour and how good that first hour was. Mm. Like, I was... To me, it was a funny interlude that broke the show up kind of thing after a cracking first hour, and it was no more than that. And I don't think it was meant to be much more than that, really. That's You've pretty much encapsulated how I felt about that. That's why I kind of don't really necessarily have a hot take on it. Um, I knew it was going to... I knew it happened. I'd seen people, like, talking about it, and I thought, well, okay, well, I'll sort of judge it when, the, when, when I'll go coming and I'm watching it. But I was so enthused by that first hour I'd kind of forgotten almost about the dinner until they started mentioning at it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that segment's coming up. And then when it came on, it was perfectly fine. And the whole point of the segment, and you know, in danger of reading too much into it, is the idea that they're kind of very, very similar. And the both of them doing a musical number is something, like you mentioned, Gareth, it's that credibility of character that they, that they would actually kind of do that. And it's very clearly that the success of the segment like this is Tony Khan's not writing out the lyrics for this song. They are. They're dealing with it. They're in charge of it. So even though it's kind of you've got the the, the sort of dancing girls with them as well and, and those other kind of bits, it wasn't so... Re- they weren't setting themselves this kind of logistical nightmare to have to do like it was the fucking 1930s, you know. It's, it's not that. It, you know, it's... <laughs> people on fucking broadway it it was very it was just like a good it was just like a segment that was done well mm. that kind of weirdly led to a character bit where jericho's on board with having mjf in and the others aren't so sure you're you're wondering where it goes from there you mentioned wardlow at the beginning how he plays into some of this stuff as well because he's a kind of peripheral figure on this and in some ways it did weirdly further on the whole storyline, which is the kind of point of these wrestling angles. And so they did that. And then we move on and they're not going to do it every week. And I hope they don't do it every week. In some ways, I hope they never do it again. Like there may be one where Jericho goes into a song when he's been kicked out of the inner circle and he starts 
I don't know, going in some sort of ballad meatloaf style into the singing into the fucking moon. Please, like I could have a good laugh at that as well. But that's all it was kind of intended to be, and it's not like it overran by what's like twenty minute long fucking musical segment, was it? It, Mm. It really wasn't. It didn't overstay its welcome, and then it went. Yeah, that's it. So you're not getting the hot take out of us that uh, you might no. be getting elsewhere on that one. Not it, it mad on musicals, but either, yeah, this was good. MJF can sing. <laughs> I, if it was him, I was wondering whether he was dubbed. I was wondering, but uh, I think I think I, it was him. I think I've seen something about he used to do a lot of kind of singing as a kid. Oh. He, I don't know where this was. There was something about it. might have been the reason why I ended up appearing on that fucking telly program that time. Was it something to do with that? Maybe, yeah. yeah. He's a talented youngster, you know. You know, there's a. I've, I've seen like. I don't know. I don't live with him. I've seen the footage of like his bar mitzvah where there's like strippers there and stuff. Like he's, uh, <laughs> he was living. He was living the MJF character when he was thirty. You know, yeah. He had some girls at his, uh, at his bar mitzvah. Strippers right? at a bar mitzvah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it looked like. You know, he's a rich lad. You know, uh, apparently that's the gimmick. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not as well up on the tenets of Judaism, but I always assumed that bar mitzvahs tended to be quite, you know, reasonably serious affairs. Uh, when you're MJF. It's not, not like after my confirmation, mate, we went down a fucking, I don't know, string fellows <laughs> and started making it rain. <laughs> Speaking of tea, did, did, you, did you have a shift in there? <laughs> <laughs> JP working around the bar at 13. <laughs> I can picture it. I did honest. an interview that night, yeah, in there as well. And <laughs> me working as pot boy, collecting the glasses at my own confirmation. <laughs> Stripper fest. Uh, I mean, I was going to say, like, one, like, we've been throwing roses pretty much at AEW, but one negative, I would say this FDR Young Bucks build fucking sucks. Like, I don't, I don't understand what the fuck they're doing with the Young Bucks allegedly, like, being heels and this whole throwing money at Tony Khan thing when they're going into a feud with the heels and FTR. Like, when I said earlier about I just don't trust Omega and the Bucks to look after their own creative, this was a simple match, wasn't it? It's a it's a quote unquote dream match of like probably you know, four years five years ago at this point, but you know you just book the match. It's 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 it should be FTR and the Young Bucks. It should be dead easy to to put together, and instead you've got the Bucks doing this convoluted like almost heel turn, and you've got FTR being the world's most boring cunts on commentary, like just killing the vibe in the room for for twenty minutes, just trying to be like Jim Cornette or like Twitter trolls. Like boring cunt isn't a gimmick, everyone. It's fucking it's just they're just exhausting, like the two of them. Like I can't even follow them on Twitter anymore. They're just it's you say the wrong kind of heat, that's the wrong kind of heat with me. I just don't want to watch these two at this point. And this match, they've got to pull this out. I'm not saying they've had terrible matches on, on AEW. They've had some pretty good matches they've had some disappointing matches they haven't had best tag team in the world level matches yet uh in aw and this this is the moment to do it if if you know when we get to this uh this young butts match uh i hope i hope we uh we get there and i hope it's you know it delivers on maybe what the expectation was four years ago because the build certainly hasn't for me i mean i think for, for me i've like had this same total same mindset that we've we've talked about in the last few weeks of why are the young bucks going like down this heel route when they're like clearly going towards this feud with FTR or they're trying to push us the, the heels? And th- this was one of the positives that I kind of like had put for the end of this match was with the way the end of this match was with like you know 
the FTR and Tully Blanchard sort of attacking them and jumping on. Tully Blanchard Matt's under leg. a mask, though. We didn't know it was him. Like, why did why he have a mask on? That was TNA. Why, why, why was he dressed up like Gato? Why was it a mystery that he pulled the mask off? It's like when Savio Vega came out to be like the fourth man with DX in that fucking Gang Wars match. Like, why was the surprise that it was. He's their manager. Of course it was Tully Blanchard. What the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I thought that as a, as a segment, it kind of established an element of like, I don't know, it was almost like a learning on their part of we need to put a bit of sympathy the bu- the books away, and we we can't have them go full like right. heel kind of thing. And if we if we've got this match in a fortnight's time, okay, yeah, we, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit here, and let's try and present the books as been a bit more at least a bit more sympathetic or a bit more face-like kind of thing rather than going into this full heel versus full heel thing. And I think the way that that ended, it kind of, unless, you know, they do a total U-turn this this week, it sort of, it, 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 put, the, it put the books in clear, more clearly in that sort of face side of things, if not total, you know, massive baby face sort of thing. It, it, you weren't going at the same trajectory where it was going to be rolling into full gear as like massive heels versus massive heels. And I think that was needed. And I think, I think hopefully we should see the benefit of that when they actually like face each other in a few weeks time. It's hard to know where really where this positions long-term. I mean, I've had a feeling the storyline might end up being Kenny and the Bucks as like, we were the actual real elite, which is kind of how it was. And, and I kind of feel there's the biggest AEW storyline, which is the dissolution of the elite with Cody off being sort of more with the nightmare family and, and obviously the stuff that they've done with, with Hangman Page. It's mad to say that I'm not really looking forward to this match at the minute, but I'm kind of not. And I was never as really massively sold on the dream match aspect. It was just like a kind of a match you would like to see at that point in time. And weirdly, this version of the Bucks character is kind of similar to what was the highest money-drawing version of the Bucks character in the Indies, isn't it? Where they were the kind of smarmy, kind of tweener team, weren't they? That's true. But there's other stuff in this that just doesn't kind of jibe with it, like the money at Tony Khan stuff as well. Like, you still need explanations for stuff. Hmm. I get the idea of the characters going this way, naturally, because, like, between Kenny and the Bucks, they've not you know, they've not had the tag titles. They've not had the heavyweight title. It makes sense for them all to go down this kind of route as this is the things that made them successful in these other, in, in other companies was by behaving this way. And now they're going to do that. It's just that the way that they're getting there, particularly with the bucks and the FTR, FTR feud, it feels like completely disjointed. If that is a route, they're going to go down. Mm. So it's almost like you've got these two competing storylines, mm. which require them to be slightly different things in. And I'm not, and I'm just not feeling it. I mean, FTR on commentary, like, I was just like, oh, oh fuck it. Like, so, more Southern bullshit. I'll mm-hmm. just call it that from now on. <laughs> um, which is incredibly offensive to those people. <laughs> Sorry to the South. <laughs> Saying that, we had to go with the Republicans earlier, JP, and that's kind of the South anyway. Right. So, you know. I've, I've said some so. horrific things in, in weeks to. <laughs> out of my way go to alienate audiences so why not throw one more thing onto the bonfire sorry to the southern democrats uh, anything more in AEW Gareth or anything like that before we go I, th- I think we can't talk about AEW without talking about the biggest star of the show for me and that is John Silver who I am absolutely You're obsessed great. with at the moment and like I've, I've I've always been somebody who watches like 
be in the elites like sporadically kind of thing it might be like i so, might just suddenly think i might have just sort of have thought about it over the years no i'll throw an episode on on the toilet uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's that that kind of thing, and it may, it could easily be six weeks before. How long are you on the it, toilet, Chiefy? <laughs> at my age, I know Will on his podcast. By the way, say Gareth's much younger than me. Gareth's older than me. Will putting that to fucking bed when we're here, not by much. No, oh, I haven't got to that bit yet. Thank you, Will. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I mean. I tell you what, the, the old toilet, when you've got kids, Benno, you'll learn the toilet's just a great uh, great place to go to get a bit of free time, you know, kind oh, of thing, nice. because uh, you can lock it, you lock that door behind you, get, the, get, <laughs> you, get YouTube going, get a bit of BTE on, and there you go, half an hour of peace and quiet to uh, watch, a bit, watch a bit of what you want without someone mithering you, asking <laughs> you to do something. Hey, I'll do it in work. Did... During a G1, I'm well known to disappear into the uh, the disabled loo and work and, uh, and watch a little G1 match. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a tradition passed on from parents. No, my dad would quite often get a copy of the News of the World, and he'd be off to the toilet, mainly re- or like reading one of the Irish Sunday papers, like the Munster Express or something, on the toilet. I'm pretty sure that's where he did the vast majority of his reading throughout his life was on the <laughs> toilet. But it was basically to get away from us. Yeah, just like fuck off. I'm going to read about the football. <laughs> I, I empathise, but oh, John Silver to me, like now. Being the elite has become appointment viewing for me. Like I literally can't wait to watch it every week just to see what he's he's doing. And I'm not saying he's going to have the same career trajectory and he's not like the same thing, but it just reminds me so much of watching like mid-card, lower mid-card Jericho in WCW where you've just got a guy and he's just doing like small things and he's just getting over with like a reaction or a one-liner or something like that that he's organically just doing doing there and like I say it's not a, it's not a total like for like comparison but it's it's just the idea that now he's been is in a position where he can sort of like try some stuff out on being the elite find himself in his character do some stuff that's funny and then they're now given them the opportunity to bleed that into television because it's something that's clearly worked and kind of got him over a little bit as well and we're like where you don't want the full being the elite to bleed into dynamite i think where there's little things like this where you've got lower card guys who can just do something organically and use their own personality and own character to do something that's not been written for them that's actually funny and just like eye-catching and gets any opportunity for them to demonstrate their charisma then i think it's just like a great vehicle for them to to do that because with him like my eyes are just drawn to him every time he's on the screen i'm just waiting to see what he's going to say or what little mannerism he's going to do or something like that and it's not about the ring work or anything like that it's just about almost drawn back to that jericho mjf stuff that i was saying previously it's having that ridiculousness of a character that's totally in fitting and it's got its place on the show and like for like for me is one of the most entertaining guys in wrestling at the minute and i just felt like yeah, he needs that recognition. Definitely needs that. Definitely needs that shout out because I can't leave. Can't leave that one on the table. <laughs> totally deserved. I'm the same way. I don't watch being the elite that often anymore. But I did literally last week go back and watch like the last three episodes, mainly to because I knew they were planting seeds with the Kenny stuff on there. But mainly, yeah, because I did so much raving about uh, John Silver and his like his character work on there, and yeah, he works as like it's like the you know you, know, you watch like a kids cartoon on this like you know like, we're watching like turtles and all like watching like the other you know, the bad guy kind of like the henchman like he's like the little henchman isn't he that doesn't realize he's as small as he is and you know is shouting at and talking down to the even smaller henchman yeah he's brilliant at it and it's a great use of the dark order too as well isn't it because that was a that was a gimmick that looked like it had no legs you know 
10 months ago and you know they've turned it into something very different something uh i didn't love at the start but yeah it, it it's allowed people like him to shine and you know his little uh interactions with like uh with mr Brody lee and uh the rest of the dark order are always a positive so yeah definitely share that uh anything more from you jp before we go no i think that's me done any plugs the there's other stuff i've watched but what you watched um, you know. I'm saving that for the round table. That was going oh, okay. to be the plug bit, you see. Oh, go on now. Throw that in there. What's uh, what's going on on uh, the end of the week on, uh, on Grapple this week, JP? Well, you're going to be making your round table debut. Um, I don't know. Uh, we haven't agreed to terms yet, mate. You haven't uh, decided what, you, what I'm getting paid for it yet. We'll see. <laughs> paid. <laughs> it will um, be. No, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we, so far we've got um, me, you, uh, Alan Farrell. Mm. is going to be on um and sarah flannery and mm. hopefully one more sort of special guest i don't want to jinx it by by saying who it is at this point um and basically doing a wrap-up of the g1 i've gone straight into the plug here didn't even yeah, to introduce the segment um yeah hoping to do yeah do a wrap-up of the g1 where new japan is leading into the dome um potentially even talk about sort of some aspects of the other tournaments that went on. I know at that point, Benno, you won't be taking part. <laughs> As you've said already at the start. Oh, you're probably shame me for not doing my own work here. <laughs> <laughs> to go, go, go back and watch, like, yeah, the N1 victory final, which is actually quite good. Quite enjoyed it. We'll see. I'll try. And, and, and Zeus uh, Miyahara. Yeah, go and watch those two. I've still got to watch the start of one. But yeah, we um got that hopefully uh, coming out on about Thursday. Awesome. Uh, any plugs for you, for you guys, Grapple in general? Yeah, download the follow us at Grapple app. All that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, for Classic my plugs, Grapple promo. There you go. <laughs> well, for, for me, like, yeah, obviously, yeah, I'll be, uh, I'm looking forward to, I'm genuinely looking forward to making my uh, my debut on the roundtable. JP, you'll be the host. I'll be, uh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be a pundit on that one. So, you know, you can, uh, you can put me to the test there. So yeah, I look forward to doing that. And obviously I uh, getting to do a show with, uh, with Alan Farrell and, uh, and Slayer Flannery is always, uh, always going to be a highlight too. So really excited for that. Uh, like we said earlier, I did, uh, Will Cooling's PW Torch podcast. Uh, you can check that out on their, uh, VIP feed. Uh, you do have to subscribe, uh, but worth it. I'm a big Todd Martin fan, big Alan Farrell fan. Bruce Mitchell's show is very good. As I said on the show, you know, I listen to Wade Keller in the shower. And Will's on there too. So, you know, you can check out Will's uh, Will podcast. <laughs> on <book>. the shower? <laughs> yeah, and I just have a little picture of Will when I'm in the shower. But the less said about that, the better. Um, <laughs> don't know where I'm going here. Um, <laughs> to talk myself out of that trouble. Um, yeah, it was one of my, my, genuinely one of my favourite podcasts I've ever done. We just had a, an open-ended chat about Brit Rez is dead, uh, Will Ospreay, uh, his four and a half hour podcast with Andy Q and just podcasting in general. So yeah, if you do get the chance or you're a subscriber, check that out. Like I said earlier, coming up, we've got a, I'm going to be doing a Braden and Davies show. Uh, we'll be talking about Samoa Joe's ROH title run. I'm doing fucking 2007 Manhattan Mayhem with uh, with Martin Bushby and Andrew Thompson. So it's ROH uh, month on uh, on the post wrestling feed. So you can check that out as well. Uh, and the normal the way you've always wanted it. Two weeks. Yeah, I'm turning it into the uh, the mid 2000s uh, Ring of Honor website this month. So uh, all the that that's a lot forward to, and I'll uh, I'll get you two talking some uh, 2005 Samoa Joe with me sometime soon as well. Um, all of the mid-2000s Ring of Honor. Uh, but yeah, other than that, follow me on Twitter at Benson Richard E. 
Is that, is that it? You're not doing any more podcasts? No, so, that's it. I think that was, that was seven, wasn't it? <laughs> Look, I've, I've had, a, had a little run where I've, you know, I've quietened down a little bit. You know, when these guest invites come flying, you know, it's uh, JP had a little run, didn't you, JP? It's uh, it's my turn to shine now. So people will just be sick of me by the end of this month. Um, the way we want it to be. <laughs> uh, so yeah like i said follow us there uh, and again we'll be back uh, next week we've got you know i think g1 season's over we've got a uh, plenty of interesting stuff coming up uh, aw's pay-per-view coming up new japan uh is running the same day for power struggle so hopefully we'll have a, a bit of a chat and have a, a preview of all that next week but yeah that's it for us uh, for another show lads we've said we were going to go two hours we've gone two hours 44 but you know Oh, <laughs> not quite you on length not quite Will Cooling length, it's getting shorter it's getting shorter it <laughs> there we go so yeah we'll be back next week with another show hopefully under three hours cheers everyone bye sorry about your damn luck <laughs>